Sounds right. This is like, I'm like, ugh. I have a dolphin trapped under latex. We all know what that sounds like, right? That's a that's a relatable a dolphin, absolutely <laughs> a dolphin trapped under latex. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, here we are with more relatable content here on Live Patients for Everyone. That's that's on the dark web. You can't really access that on the normal internet. It's more natural, <laughs> more organic. I, you know what feels you know conversation. What, what feels organic is being back in PNA Hall. Yeah, I've, I'm we've, real happy to be in here, if you can tell. What has it been, five episodes since we've been here? Yeah, we've been at Patmos mostly of late. Sitting in this room, hearing the, the gentle hum of old machinery going to town, it's, it's very soothing to me. Walking in here and hearing my, my shoes creaking on the, the wood floor, it was like, here we are. The 2020 home of libations for everyone. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I, I told Jaren, uh, we just call it Studio B now. Yeah, so we're recording over at Studio B. It's the it's the grand hall. It's great for live performance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we are we are still furthering the chat about uh, a live show. So they're very open. He kicked me over some terms. So later incrementally, tonight, yeah. So we're, later we're tonight, inching forward. Well, as the rest of society inches backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, I swear to we're God, trying. Yeah, I mean, as people and also as a. As a production. We're trying. <laughs> We're trying so hard. Things are actually working out for us. Please try with us. Uh, yeah, please try with us. Uh, <laughs> shout out to everybody who's been listening and downloading. Uh, we keep moving up the charts. Yeah. Uh, Charles, I feel like you should share the good news that we got last week. Uh, we've been ranked as high as... It, this is the last ranking that I received, anyways, um, based on our metrics over the various platforms on which we are available. But we are the 44th ranked food-based podcast in the United States. And it's kind of cool when you look at the other people that are on there because it's a ton of like James Beard award-winning chefs or nominees. It's restaurant tours with stuff all over. Right. It's people with, with... Food publications. Yeah, food publications who are read, you know, not just nationally but internationally. And then us getting drunk with cool people and talking about life. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gosh, the number I'm, one I'm, drunkest in the top 100 too probably. <laughs> Am I in the I'm right guessing. spot? I think you are. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, well, before we get to our amazing guest today, I, I guess we probably should uh, reintroduce ourselves to everybody live from the PNA Hall. Uh, it is Ben Quam sitting <laughs> on the edge of a ping pong table like old with my main man, Charles Award, as oh, it frequently Lord. says on my mail for no reason. Uh, <laughs> you're, you, you get Chenandler M. Bonged on your own mail? Yeah, right. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> uh, you just returned from a, an amazing trip. Uh, do you want to rub it in everybody's face real quick? <laughs> uh, yeah, we were in Puerto Rico, and it was spectacular. Spent uh, eight days there, first time. Mostly stayed in San Juan, saw a lot of good food, drink, beachside, met new friends, uh, hung out with old friends. Yeah, not, not much else to say beyond that, even though uh, prepare yourselves, because I'm going to probably bring it up for the next 100 episodes, like, <laughs> like we are wont to do with trips that we take. Like, yeah, the one time I was at uh, La Factoria in San Juan, and I had this pineapple, you know, that's, that's what we do. You guys know, you know. Was, was there one standout dish or drink that, that, uh, that you came home thinking about more than anything else? I, precisely the one I just mentioned. Uh. So obviously that was front of mind. Yeah, I had this really beautiful uh, pineapple, like, tapache cocktail at La Factoria. They're... Um, in Old San Juan, they've, they're an annual recipient of top 50 bars in the world. I believe six years running. It's very like, beat-up looking, rustic. It looks like uh, maybe a club that Blade would have been hanging out in. 
it's the walls like it, it looks like the walls are intentionally chipping like the mm-hmm. paint is coming off of the walls uh and it's you know a little grimy in there but in the best way and they do to go, to go cocktails if anyone saw on my social media is the photo i posted looking super pissed off holding a styrofoam cup in the street it's because i can't fucking believe you can do that in every foreign country uh, and in many states even uh, but you cannot do that here in sunny we Minnesota. hate fun we've established this oh is yeah. that fun we're not going to do it i mean technically it's more fun because we put it in our uh in our thermos and hope we don't we make our own flag down right <laughs> it's like when you're a kid and your parents tell you hey don't do these things and you're like those must be the things to do <laughs> i was at i was at the very final north stars game at met center before they demolished it and the guy next to me had a pair of binoculars that were actually a flask and I, I will never be as amazed. Wow. You, you could have, I, I could have said that that was something out of a James Bond movie. You will never, ever see more amazement on my face than I did watching this guy unscrew one of the lens caps. Were they also working binoculars? <laughs> you could see, even you cooler. could see through them, Incredible. but they were not good binoculars. Okay, but it, they did leave eye holes. So if like somebody grabbed them and looked, okay. And full, to be fair, you could only see through them for the first half of the, yeah. the binocular, anyways. <laughs> but he, I just, I was, I, I think I was. 13 or 14 at the time and I just remember he like looked down at me and kind of gave me like the 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 cool uncle eyebrow bounce and then just like (laughs) just took a huge swig off of his binoculars and screwed him shut again and then went back to watching me and my friend Paul were like oh my god (laughs) this guy is on a different level Uh, well, obviously, it's fun to be back. It's fun to have you guys listening. It's fun to have you tuning in. I'm sure you love both of our voices, but what most of you are here for has got to be our guest. So, my good man, would you introduce yourselves to our lovely listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do? Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Uh, Eric Eastman from Minnesota Ice. Uh, we've um, been delighted to supply bars and restaurants and liquor stores with the crystal clear cocktail cubes that you've probably seen, and we also do regular packaged ice. Um, and ice sculptures, um, and yeah, that's basically printed what, ice. What's that? Printed ice. Yes, engraved Which ice. Is like the coolest yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. It's so cool. Yep. Yeah. It's just you know, it's a great way for um, for bars, restaurants, or parties. We do a lot of parties for that too. Like you know, your fiftieth birthday, we engrave a fifty on the cube or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just we're we're an experiential company. We like to I like to say I mean, which sounds like kind of a weird thing when you're an ice company, but we don't want to be just a transactional company where you buy ice from us and then that's the end we want to be partners with our customers and really help them develop cocktail programs make the most of their cocktail programs and make you know because i don't know if you guys remember there's been a little issue the past few years you know a couple years with this with uh with covid that's bars and restaurants have been pretty affected by that and so i i remember sitting at my desk at the office the day everything shut down and looking at robbie our owner and just being like okay what what are we going to do now? And I remember very distinctly thinking, well, gosh, we're going to have to find something totally different to do because people are never going to buy, you know, cocktail ice again, you know, whenever this is <laughs> over, ever, because that's clearly, a, you know, an optional expenditure. And it's just been the exact opposite. Yeah. I mean, we are significantly busier than we were prior to COVID. Thank that's great. God. 
I, um, I noticed more people when I would go to houses within like our little pod, like more of my friends, when you'd open up their freezer, you would see like their normal ice trays and then your stuff there. No kidding. And that was when I knew it was really getting yeah. ubiquitous. When people who have no connection to the industry are still doing that because it, yep. it is better. It's just a different thing. Yeah. I mean, we're now we're, we're really making inroads because we're in every total wine. And mm-hmm. so it's like when someone calls us, you know, just, you know, calls the office and we still get this call, like probably every other day is like, you know, where can I buy your ice? And it's like, Total Wine. We're mm-hmm. also in every top 10, like every top 10 liquors. They're all over the metro. We're in all the, all the good liquor stores. Um, and it is just, I, you know, I call it life's most affordable luxury. It's a clear, clear ice cube. Super, they're cheap, but they really change your experience with cocktails. The, the printed ice cubes, I'm, I'm moderately embarrassed to say this, but the printed ice cubes are one of those things that can turn me into like an adorable Midwestern mom in a flash. Oh, yeah. Like I'll look down and I'll see like a logo for something. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. Yep. And it, like, it comes out and I'm like, who is that? What are you doing? You don't talk like that. But every fucking time, like, well, that's fun. Isn't yep. that cute? It's, yeah. it's fun. It's and awesome. Turns out fun is good. Yeah. They really need- thought of everything, didn't they? <laughs> uh, you brought a, a slew of amazing potions that we will be sipping on. Yes. Uh, do you want to introduce what we are going to be having first? Yeah, for sure. And this is um, just a wildly simple infusion that I have. I live across. I live in downtown in Lower Town, uh, St. Paul. There is another city next, you know, down the road a little bit called St. Paul. Mm. If everyone's aware huh. of that, I've I've it's heard of that. It's actually is the, it, it's, it's new. The capital. Yes, yeah, it's new. It's, it's new. the capital okay. of Minnesota. Just recently, I newly think. ordained St. Paul. <laughs> um, yep. So I live in St. Paul downtown, right next to the St. Paul Farmers Market. So I go to the Farmers Market every weekend and buy too much stuff. And right. what ends up happening is I turn half of it into a cocktail thing. Um, and this was extra cucumbers that I filled this mason jar with, um, just chopped up, and then a bottle of, um, God, what did I use? Beef eater. Mm. So just super simple. Then put it in the refrigerator. I think I forgot about it for, you know, 48 hours or so. Took it out, strained it. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Let's do it. Bang. Salud. Just came out of the freezer, too. Well, that's just delightful. <laughs> oh, yeah, kinda, that's kind of it's kind of nice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, and I would just I've, drink that. Yeah. I actually haven't, you know, to that exact point. I've not yet. I mean, this used to be full. Like, if people can't see this, this you know, liter mason jar is about a third full, yeah. and I've not made a single cocktail with it. I've just sipped it, just you like know, that. Um, yeah. Nathaniel, you can make a real nice vesper with that. You can make it, absolutely. Oh my goodness, yeah. <clears throat> um, Nathaniel Smith at uh, right before the shutdown at Travail was doing um, ice cubes made out of uh, red bell pepper juice. Whoa, really? Cool. And I feel like that ice cube in that gin would be just dynamite. A hundred percent. That would be absolutely extraordinary. Absolutely. Red oh bell gosh. pepper cocktails right now. Mm. Yeah, where did I have one? Meteor. So hot. Meteor. That's right. One called one, Bell Ringer. Yes, exactly right. Uh, had one at. La Factoria in San Juan. So I'm like, okay, everyone's putting bell peppers in there. <laughs> there Beverages we go. Now. There it's surprising because a bell pepper is like six bucks. So, I mean, what, what was, what, like, if I can ask you guys a question, like, what was your first cocktail that you made? Ooh, that I made? That you made. Uh, yeah. I know it for a fact. It was a Manhattan. Manhattan. Uh, was that at home? Was that at, at no, a job? Was it was that- uh, for my grandfather. Got it. Uh, he, uh, when we were up at the cabin, uh, four o'clock was cocktail hour. And then 5 or 5.30 was dinner time, or supper time, excuse me. And, uh, and he would have uh, Brandy Manhattan. 
and then I started once I knew how to make that then I started subbing it out for whiskey and then I made a Maker's Mark Manhattan eventually but yeah it was a a brandy Manhattan right on in a big old snifter with a Q engraved on it seriously oh yeah of course yeah mixed drinks or cocktails (laughs) Uh, no great clarification cocktail Yeah, Cocktail. because our answers would all be like <laughs> yep, yeah. vanilla, root beer, and stoli. Vodka Mountain Dew. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. That's right. I was telling my brother's story about that the other day. I will not tell you how old I was when I first had one. It's those. called The Machine. <laughs> the Machine. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly cannot recall. My guess would be an old-fashioned. Mm, but it kind of all happened at once when I decided, hey, I can make myself cocktails because I used to just order them. I didn't think it was possible for me to make one that was of a, a reputable quality. So I never made my own cocktails. I just ordered them at bars. Mm. This is in my 20s. But my guess would be that that was, the, that was one of the first ones where I wanted to figure out how to make a good one at home. And I remember I would ask bartender friends when I was making drinks if I was doing it right. And I would, I would ask them almost expecting them to tell me that I was a dickhead for trying to do it. But they were helpful. Like, I thought they'd be like, what are you doing, man? You're not a bartender. But they're like, oh, no, yeah, that's good. Like, make a simple, you know. But I, that'd be my guess. But I, I do not know for certain. But that's my guess. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because mine's a martini. And mm. they're all, these are all classics, right? Which just sure. makes sense to start with right. fundamentals, like things that have a really easily definable and understandable spec. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my Uncle James and I, who's, who I'm very close with, used to play a lot of golf we still do just not as just not as much uh golf these days unfortunately but we would play pretty much every weekend and then go back to his place in south minneapolis or go to the 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 the, the 19th hole and have a gin martini and back in the day this was gosh 20 some year 20 you know i've lived here for 25 years this was basically right as i moved here so let's call it 25 Wait, years where ago. are you from I'm from Southern Ohio. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. My family's from here. Um, my father got. I learned something about my father and my mother this um, this June 20th, which was their 51st wedding anniversary, that I never knew. My father got his PhD here at the U, and he, and then I think in the same yeah the same like weekend married my mother, and then he moved to Oklahoma to start his, he's a professor and a scientist. He's moved to Oklahoma to start his career there. And she stayed here for a year, which I did not know. And then she eventually moved to Oklahoma city. Um, and then, uh, they moved to Providence, Rhode Island where my sister and I were born and we lived there until I was four. And then we moved to Athens, Ohio, beautiful, beautiful Athens, Ohio, which it is very beautiful. Ohio is kind of two different States for sure. The Northern kind of industrial ugly part and the glacier, Stopped basically right in the middle of the state, and so the southern half of the state is very beautiful, rolling uh, hills, and it was just a great place to grow up. And then when I was just done living there after college, I went to Ohio University. I uh, moved here to because we have family here, and just was just was done being in Southern Ohio. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I mean, like we would, so James and I, my uncle, we would play golf and then have gin martinis, and we, we joked that the martini was both celebratory or conciliatory depending on how the round went sure Um, but we would always shake them we'd shake the bejesus out of them whole top littered with ice shards skate on top of it and you know but bunch of remember sable and rosenfeld olives absolutely do they even exist anymore i don't think so i I don't think i haven't seen them in forever um but they're you know these massive plump olives with a beautiful piece of uh 
of pepper in them, and we'd put, you know, we'd line up the skewer with like four of them and put it in there. The and that original was basically... red pepper cocktail. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well said. Um, but that was, I mean, that really, gosh, I was just so lucky to have, you know, to land in a spot to have someone like James in my life who really, I will say, you know, is responsible for my love of cuisine. And like, he, like my, I, I, let me take that back. My, my mother and father are responsible for that because that's where I grew up. And they, you know, we always had a, a home cooked meal on the table, like seven nights a week, sure. maybe one night we ordered pizza, but you know, it was really a priority that the TV got turned off. We sat down, we had conversation and it was really, you know, kind of idyllic, right? Looking back on it. But then when I moved here, James was very busy. He had a great career in graphic packaging and, you know, he'd be working late oftentimes and, you know, his wife may have already eaten and he'd just call me and say, E, you want to go to blah, blah, blah tonight? And I'm like, yep, I'm free. I don't know a single person in this town other than basically you. (laughs) So, you know, not that that was a bad thing, but, um, so we just went to just every, he took me to all these restaurants and exposed me to all these things that are 100% responsible for why, I'm sitting here with you today, which is, which is fun to reflect on. I was thinking about this conversation yeah. today, yeah. you know, and no, like, a- kind of like thinking about how, you know, I landed here with the opportunity to chat with you and that, like that family upbringing is a huge part of it, which I'm very grateful and lucky for. See, Certainly. I, I've never really thought about it, but I, I think I'd have to say the same thing with my grandparents at the cabin because it was, I, I thought it was such a cool thing. It, it seemed to me like it was a marker from a, like a society or a generation that I didn't have like a connection to, but it was, it was cool. Like, you know, some of the neighbors would come down sometimes, or if they had friends over, they'd come over and it was just, everybody had a cocktail and got caught up on all the small talk. And then when we sat down to dinner, we would talk about the food and we would talk about all that. And it like, it just weaseled its way into the back of my brain. And then flash forward like five years later, uh, I, I think I've told the story. I won my first bartending gig at a house party with the owner oh, really? of the bar's son. And I made myself flashcards because I was like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to kill it. So I made myself flashcards and I was doing like all my like normal college like memory tests, making sure. And I brought him in. My first shift was a day shift. And uh, these two gentlemen come in and they're wearing their uh, the, the blue U.S. Navy hats with the gold leafing on the bills. Sure. Yep. And uh, first thing out of the first guy's mouth was, you ever serve in the military? And I said, no. And he called me a slur. And I was like, okay, that's where we're starting. But then they started asking questions. And he's like, well, what, do you, what, what do you got in your hand? And I showed him. It was my flashcards. And they went through them. And he goes, can I show you what you're going to need to know for this place? I go, sure. And he literally ripped them in half and threw them in the garbage. Okay. He's like, yeah. bartending is about being good with the people and giving them a, a space to come and feel welcome. And then everything else you'll figure out on your own. And wow. that guy, it was a reprehensible human being. Sure. But that small moment of dialogue also wormed its way into my oh, head. Yeah. And that, like, I still think about that. I still tell that story on a regular basis that it is. Like, I can read a recipe and pour whatever juice into whatever cup you want me to. But that doesn't necessarily make me a good bartender. Being a good bartender is recognizing the people that come in, giving them a place to either celebrate, like you said, or commiserate, whatever it may be. It gives people a space where we're all the same. We're all sitting at the same bar. We're all, the chairs are all the same height. The drinks cost the same, whether you're the richest guy in town or the poorest guy in town. It's all the same stuff. And that was what I fell in love with. For sure. And then it sort of rewired it on the back end where the more I got into making cocktails, it was, I want to make you something. Because I love the idea of serving you something that you haven't had or you don't make for yourself. That was what I fell in love with. 
Wow. It wasn't Great necessarily. Story. Yeah, it was That's just incredible. like. Yeah. And that, you know what that makes me think of is, is kind of a, another massive, the other massive reason that, you know, we're here, that I'm here today is the strip club meat and fish. Yeah. Right. Which I never once got a paycheck from. Right. Wild. And so, I mean, that, that was just my spot. This like, here's a story about, um, how I met Tim Niver. Yeah. So same uncle James and I were playing golf in Woodbury and we're driving back to his place, um, in downtown Minneapolis. And this was the May after the strip club opened in January. I think it was January, 2009. So it was in May, 2009, I think. Um, so we're, we're on the road and he's like, you know, where should we go? Should we go to that, that new steak place that opened up kind of on the hill in St. Paul? I'm like, great idea. So we stopped. I'd never met. I've like, I never, I, I apologize. I can't believe I'm saying this. I never went to town talk. I never went to Aquavit. I never met any of those guys. Never met Niver. So we walk in and the bar is on the left there at the strip club. We walk in guy behind the bar waves at us and says, you know, be right with you. Two seconds later, someone comes up from the right and says, hey, how many? It's like two. So they take us up the spiral staircase. We sit down. We have dinner. I had a steak. I had a chilled beet soup with jalapeno in it that I remember this day because it was so extraordinary. Um, we had a great time. James and I probably stayed for an hour and a half, two hours, a couple glasses of wine, left. Never saw the dude behind the bar again. A couple months later, it was August. I go to the farmer's market, St. Paul Farmer's Market, and I stop in for brunch. Same guy's there. I sit down, and he goes, oh, hey, I remember you. Weren't you in a little while ago with your uncle? You sat upstairs? Wow. And that was Niver. Yep. And my jaw dropped, and I was just <laughs> like, wait a minute. What did you just say? That is, that is insane. We didn't Uncanny. talk. Yeah. We didn't speak, <laughs> other than him waving at us and saying we'd be right there. And so... I installed myself at the strip club after Absolutely. that and, you know, got to, and the, the reason that I thought of the story was kind of what you're saying about making a space for, you know, an equal interaction and, you know, that, that bar with Tim and Dan Oski, like the, the, the original things that they would make just based on the, you know, they'd made cocktails and new flavors for so long you would get these one-of-a-kind cocktails that would just literally blow your face off. And you'd like, well, what, what's in this? And then they'd recite the list. And you'd go, well, how'd you think of that? And he's, well, you know, I just, I've been doing this for a minute. You know, so I, I just took that and I did. You know, it's just, just an extraordinary place that I, I, I will literally never forget. I hope everybody out there listening, I hope you have a spot like that. Because I, I feel the exact same way. And we've talked about it at length on this podcast the, up until it closed, like the strip club was, that was the spot for my wife and I. We went every anniversary. We went for birthdays. The night before we got married, I had dinner there with my photographer. Like it was just, it wasn't even a question, where should we go? It was, what time should our reservation be? Because we have to go there. Absolutely. You have to go there. And then, you know, when, when I was like in my dating life, you, you didn't get to go to the strip club <laughs> until you like passed, <laughs> passed. Yeah. a significant sure. That was, hurdles, that was your spot right. for that. Okay, and it's like that was it was a serious thing, yeah. like meeting the family. I mean, yeah. like truly, it's like well, you know, so it was like Marty's mom there for her birthday right before they announced they were closing, and I was like very happy that we did that. Like oh, a place. Mm. Also, uh, I'm a dirty liar. The first cocktail I made, I was just thinking of the stuff that I drink like right now, and figuring it had to have been one of them. Dark and Stormies. When I was oh, in college, no. I used to make Dark sure. and Stormies for my friends in the summer, like all the time. And they'd be like, what the fuck is this? Ugh. It's Dark and Stormy, What's your favorite baby? part of the Dark and Stormy? Is it the dark or the stormy? I mean, look at me. It's the stormy. <laughs> I look like a fucking pirate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yar! 
I guess I'm dark and stormy. Huh? I wanna, we got. We should do that. We should. We should go. We should go Blackbeard with you, and we should put in yeah. some some gunpowder fuses into your beard so that smoke. That's that was like one of one of his myths was he would weave uh, gunpowder fuses into his beard and would light them right before a battle. So people thought he was literally, like, of smoke, and he had, like, demons with him. Oh, my God. And it was, it was just super inf- dangerous Captain Lou Albano. Exactly. <laughs> All I can picture is, like, Cindy Lauper's just right there with him, fighting and singing the yeah. Goonies theme song. Was Should we ask a question? Probably. <laughs> Should we do another shot since we kind of... We, yeah, we I went- kind of started off with a question, yeah. didn't I? Sorry about that. I think we should. I think we should. Why don't you ask the question and I pour right. and then and then we'll just hold on. It. Let me let me wet my lips on this delicious forty of Colt forty five. This is the first time we've had a, a bonus <laughs> shot first. Yes, we're starting off. I feel like that's that's the high caliber that comes with an Eastman uh, uh, participation. Is we're just we're gonna we're gonna swing for the fences on the first pitch. <laughs> Why not? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, that's, yeah, yes, 100%. Sports ball, here we go. Uh, all right, so <laughs> going from lofty experiences at bars to your own personal kitchen, what is one thing in your bar or kitchen at home that you could get shit from others about, but you still love it? Doesn't matter. Ooh. Like, I'm going to defend this because I absolutely adore it. I mean, so I live in a, like, three-room apartment, a bathroom, a living room, hallway and a bedroom um i think it would so everything's very exposed right sure um it would something that i would get shit about if you came over right like like if one of like charles and i are fucking snobs from time to time like if we came over and i was like what the fuck is this okay you know like hey you know what i like it Ooh. Wow. <laughs> you okay. Time? Yeah. Well, um, I, I was going to say something, but now I'm not um, because you would dig it. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, the, it's the metro rack in my bedroom of liquor. I mean, like, sure. you know, that's eight feet tall and about six feet wide. Yeah, don't so, invite anybody over that doesn't like that. It, it, right, exactly. <laughs> I, it might be, um, uh, well, this wasn't my choice. I'm going to have a couple of things to say. Yeah, here, uh, right? yeah sure. So, so the because it's an apartment this wasn't my choice i have a ridiculous you know uh flat surface stove right which which just just sucks to cook on right the electric just, just, what's range that? electric range yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah which i mean it just is horrible and it's like you actually you actually devolve your cooking to accommodate it right you know and it, which I, ugh, I just can't stand it um, no matter what you do, it's never clean. It, like, no, right. And after after the first thing, the first pot or pan hits it, it's dinged, it's scratched, never it's ruined. It. And then I don't know why. I don't know why water stains it. Yeah. And it's just like like isn't water just water? Why is water wrecking my stove? Um, so there's that. There's that. Um, there, another uh, another thing, and again, but that's what you hate too. It's got to be something that you like yep. that other people don't understand. That I that say it again. It's got to be something that you like that yep. other people that you understand, but others do not understand. Okay, so and I'm, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say, and it's and it, it stems from like the kind of the the whole make your own bitters kid era of of my life, and it, it's it's another metro rack in my living room that has like two or three shelves full of deli containers of spices 
right? And it's in my, it's like the, the prominent, the two most prominent features in my living room are my grandmother and grandfather's beautiful uh, mid-century modern sideboard, which sits right next to this Metro rack. <laughs> sure. With blue tape labels on it of cardamom and anise. And again, right. like, it, it's just, it kind of, people's reaction to it when they come over is just like, God, what is this? What do you do with all of this? This is weird. I'm like, well, no, it's not weird. I make stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I do a lot of things. It's <laughs> just kind of make things with it. Um, I guess that, I mean, that's not a great answer, but that's. I think location I is key for that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is this here? Yep, yeah, yeah, it, it is. And it's just because, like, well, it, it's right there next to my kitchen, and that's where I need the stuff. So it needs to be accessible, and it's kind of become a ridiculous feature of the apartment that really, I just can't. It really just ties the room together. It really does. It, it's, yeah. yeah, that stove, if I come over to your house and we drink enough, we'll uh, office space that fucking yeah. stove. <laughs> I will PC tell you, letter. I, <laughs> I have I have been at a friend's house when the the cooktop shattered. And oh my gosh, I've never oh, seen that. Jesus. I will just tell you, if that happens, the appropriate reaction is not to cheer because uh, your friend's <laughs> wife will get very angry that they're okay. about to spend you know seven hundred dollars. That makes sense. But I oh I, I agree, those things are they're just they're awful. horrific. Mm-hmm. And speaking of office space, I was if you guys know this, I was a software developer for twenty one years. I didn't. And there are so many things I don't know about you. It's layers, amazing. very layered. <laughs> um, and my boss, I mean, like, I remember when that movie came out and I watched it and it was just <laughs> like, wow, this is real close to home. Yeah. Real, real, real close to home. So I go to work the, I don't know, the next day or whenever. And no, it had to have been later. It had to have been like a year or two later. Cause I was watching this movie kind of religiously Yeah. because a, it's hilarious. Yeah. B it's like, I'm kind of studying this is like, wait, am I Peter? And I don't want yeah, to be Peter. Like, like, <laughs> I, I actually no Peter's a cool guy, but I don't want to be that guy. Ooh. Anyway, so I go to work, and I it was just we had you know just, I mean our office was so freaking office space, right? And I go to my boss in our little weekly thirty minute update. You know what are you doing, Eric? What would you say you do here? You know that's what is uh, how are you doing on the <laughs> Jenkins file? It's you know, um, and so I was like you know, and it, my, my ironically my boss's name was Bob. <laughs> Like true, my true story, and so I say, Bob, um, I was wondering, have you seen the movie Office Space? And he kind of sits back in his chair, <laughs> and he go, he just kind of gives me a nonverbal shake of the head, and he goes, I don't think I can do it. And I was like, What do you mean? He's like, It's just too, it's too much. And I was like, Wow, yeah. you're not kidding, are you? You're not kidding. And so, anyway, Office Space. Always, it's just like that. I, I could, we, could, we could reenact Office Space right now for the listeners if we like, because I know we pretty really much could. every line. My, uh, I, I had a similar experience. My, <laughs> my, uh, my father's sister is raised show dogs for a long time, and uh, we told her to watch Best in Show, the Christopher Guest movie, yeah. and she found no humor in that oh. because she felt insulted the entire time. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's, that means it really is that good. <laughs> if the right. people that actually do that for a living feel like that was too close to home, then yeah. that really is an amazing, amazing movie. But we have another shot, and Charles, do. what do you? What's your? What's your kitchen? Well, let's have Mr. Eastman describe this because I've been. Ooh. Oh yeah, low sorry. Key, I've been low key begging him to try this. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a oyster shell mezcal negroni, and it's it. It, oh. it originated um, from an idea. Of, I'm doing the Mamma Mia emoji. Yeah. What's up? The, oh, yes. Yes. The chef's, the chef's kiss emoji. <laughs> um, 
This originated at a photo shoot in Bayfield, Wisconsin, right before COVID, where a group of us, Paul and Elise Johnson, Nick Anderson, uh, Nick Leisenheimer and Wing, um, we were up there just to hang out, take photos of our buddy Bill's clothes and cook. And part of the, and this is on Lake Superior, and as part of this thing, we wanted to just eat some oysters. And so I had this idea of like, well, what if we just ate the oysters, threw them in a big glass jar, filled the jar with mezcal, strained it, and made Negronis. So it's exactly what we did. We're standing on Lake Superior. We sh- we're shucking these, these oysters that we got. I don't know what they were called, but I will promise you it is a miracle that I still have all my fingers. <laughs> these, the, the hinges on these oysters were basically non-existent sure. slash hidden. Yeah. It was, yeah. I, I've never seen anything like Dude, it. Dude, they might have been blue points because the last I've, bag of blue points I got were camouflaged hinged uh, yeah like, i mean it's just like well, am sure I supposed, how am i supposed to clams? <laughs> and, and okay. by the way it's like five degrees <laughs> we're standing on a frozen lake my hands are frozen i've got this sharp oyster knife and i'm just like well <laughs> and I, oh and then i'm shucking them on on a child like these church pew benches over yeah. here like there is a child's bench <laughs> and i just put it in a snowbank so it's like janky and not stable and, and that's where we were shucking oysters and eating them. And so we finally, like after many <laughs> attempts, got enough oysters. So you eat the oyster, then you throw the shells in the jar, then you fill it with mezcal and wait a while. And this is the second time I've done it, so I'm clearly an expert. Um, <laughs> and the, the first time, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, there were folks there, you know, like the, the folks I just mentioned, yeah. who are very, you know, cocktail aficionado I mean they, they just love cocktails they go out to restaurants and seek cocktails out and they were blown away they just loved it because it gave the, the oyster shell really just gives the drink this little oceanic umami essence it doesn't turn it into an oyster it doesn't make it taste like seafood it's just like it's just a it's almost like bitters right and so this the then there's some other folks there who were not you know cocktail mm-hmm. uh centered people just they're just normal delightful people that really didn't drink a lot of cocktails and they loved it and they were just like oh my gosh this is incredible so I'm like, oh, i guess this is the thing so i did it again recently and this time I, I steeped it for just as long maybe even a little longer but these oysters were like much softer and cleaner tasting and so the the kind of the what it rendered to the cocktail i think is a little diminished but we'll see amazing cheers love it cheers. i'm excited Oh, come on. That is absolutely fucking amazing. You like that? Wow. That is. Yeah. Yes, very, very much. And uh, I will gladly be stealing that idea from you. Yeah, you it is yours. You are not stealing. That, I'm, so, part of you know, what I love about cocktails and about the food community is just is that. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not stealing anything. Please have it. Please link your life better with it. You know, that's like, and, and so how I could, I could, I could spend the next two hours just talking about the people that have done that to me. And I have never got a paycheck from working at a, a shift at a bar, right? And, and, but people have been so generous with me with their, with their knowledge, with their time, with their restaurants that I've, you know, designed cocktail menus yeah. for. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's really, I, I just have so much passion around this industry because of the people that are in it. The the knowledge share is probably my favorite thing about yeah. the entire thing because I, I I've never encountered another um, 
trade that is so open with giving away all of the quote unquote secrets. Same. It's 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 incredible. And this this you know this mezcal is very good mezcal. It's Cruz de Fuego, Espadine. Um, Wine Co distributes this. Um, it's I think retails in the fifty-ish dollar range. And so this this cocktail is one and a half parts of oyster infused mezcal, one part of red bitter, which I split between the Bordiga. Okay. Say this tastes like an amaro. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. And that's because I think it's because well, there's two reasons. One because that Bordiga bitter. Um, I used 50%. I split the bitter between the Bordiga bitter, mm. which is really intense, and their Aperitivo, which is much mm. less intense. Sure. Um, and then the Sweet Vermouth <clears throat> is mostly Coqui Torino with a little bit of Punti Mace. Okay, there you go. Ooh, yep. Yeah, you get that yep. Coqui, a little bit of sweetness. Ooh. Yep. Mm. Yep. And there's a little bit of Shiso bitters in there, but not, and, and a little bit of orange bitters, but, um, and a little bit of salt. Um, I added a little bit of salt because I just wasn't getting enough. Yeah. You um, wanted that little, like, and, I wanted, and it ooh. really didn't, it eventually kind of just, you know, Salt in cocktails is just, uh, you know, I don't think it's a secret anymore. You right. Know, it, it's, it's like I'm putting salt in every cocktail mm-hmm. I'm making, literally every cocktail. We are, uh, we are a podcast that definitely favors a savory note in cocktails, 100%. Absolutely. Perfect. I knew I liked you guys. <laughs> Charles, before we get away from it, what, what, do you, uh, what do you catch shit for in your kitchen that you still fight for? Uh, I actually passed this question by Marnie about an hour ago before taking off because I wanted her thought regarding what that would be and she was probably too nice about it so i had to figure it out for myself i guess the answer for me would probably be my coffee setup Mm. Uh, i'm also a coffee snob um, among the things that uh, i hold a license in snobbery for and i have a lot of fellow equipment so i have the fellow staggy kg gooseneck kettle i have the fellow ode grinder which came out about a year ago which is the nicest bird grinder you can buy in a home kitchen bar none um, obviously, the Chemex, the Chemex filters, really good coffees. I'm a member of the Fellow Drop uh, membership program where you can order like these really exotic bags of, of beautiful coffees from all around the world. And it's something that I take very seriously. It, it's something that, you, that a lot of people don't understand until they understand. Yeah. You, would, you would never get it until you experienced it. And then you're like, hang on. I don't want to something back. here. Like, I have friends who. <sighs> I've, I've sent, you know, I may as well have like a wish list on Amazon that I can only share with those people where they're like, yeah, I buy a $4.25 uh, drip coffee at the local cafe every morning. It's scalding hot. It tastes like shit. It tastes like burnt coffee beans and like just way too much water. Yeah. Like lots of water and like a little bit of burnt coffee. Uh, you can get a good coffee, but even it, it's only been recently that cafes here would do uh, a drip pour for you uh, or sorry a pour over pour for you on the spot for many years i would seek it out when i was traveling i would seek it out here in the twin cities and places would just be like no we just have black coffee like we brewed it this morning but i'd be like damn could you get me a chemex or something you find that now but of course it's not cheap and if you're using like a really nice coffee which is usually what they reserve for those experiences you're talking about seven bucks you got to wait 20 minutes for for it to drip through you can make that cup of coffee at home. True story. Absolutely. Get a stag, get a fellow stag, mm-hmm. set the temperature between 196 and 200 degrees, grind the beans fresh, 
the the ode is just grinds to serve. You don't want to grind it and set it aside. Nope. What's the point, dude? <clears throat> so grind the beans for yourself just enough for, for what you're serving. I won't get into the minutia of like how much you need to make as much coffee as, as you may enjoy by yourself or with your, your wife or your roommate. But basically, if you get the temp right and you hold that temp and you express the beans, get the oils moving, and then give it a minute and then start pouring over and letting it drop down into your Chemex or whatever vessel you choose to utilize, that cup of coffee is going to move you. Mm -hmm. You're going to be like, this is better than what I pay $7 for every morning. And the bag of coffee was two of these and will make me 50 cups of this coffee. (laughs) So I think it's a thing where people are like, dude, like, that's taking up a lot of counter space. Why do you do all that? Why don't you percolate? Why don't you use a, a, a fucking a Keurig? Keurig? Why don't you yeah, use a Keurig? Like one of the most wasteful pieces of equipment Correct. on planet Earth. It's literally a trash factory. Right. Come over and I'll make you coffee. <laughs> well said. Totally. It is. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. What do you think? What, what's the barrier? Is barrier what, what's the... Because, I mean, I do similar a similar move. Uh, for coffee and I just can't imagine not right um, but what is the what, how but and I want and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I want everyone to do that yeah. because that's right. it's like it's so great it's just like yeah why are you using Mr. Coffee or Keurig or it's yep. like and I understand like not everyone I mean, there's a price issue there's uh, but but like for people that of means that you know ha- have the, the the financial ability to invest in a little bit nicer thing and still opt not to that's that's what I drive around thinking so about that's sometimes. part of the reason it was my selection is because pe- people don't realize that it's not that complex. Mm-hmm. It isn't. I like a friend of mine, my buddy Chris. He and his wife just got basically the entire setup that I have, and they'd been percolating for many, many years. And he said, "Well, we drink a lot of coffee. How many times am I going to have to make coffee?" And I'm like, "Dude, it it's it's all latent time. The actual active time of what you're doing is pouring water, pushing the button for the beans." putting that into the filter and then the act of pouring the water that's the most time consuming portion and that takes what eight seconds and it's satisfying go brush your teeth dude and it's over and then you're like holy fuck best coffee i've ever made i I will say that there are going to be some people out there that are of the same mind as me who still stick to the percolator simply so that when they start it they can go it's time for the percolator (laughs) It's time for the percolator. And then they stand on an electric range and smash the top of it. Uh, But but I I will say, as somebody who was coffee illiterate until about five years ago, uh, the, the thing that got me, and this ends up being a running theme in my life, the thing that got me was somebody taking the time to actually show me the differences in coffee. Uh, future guest of the podcast and world award-winning uh, coffeeologist Tim Wendelbow uh, had a, um, a cupping class at his, at his coffee roastery. And we went, it was an hour-long class, and we went through how five degrees difference in temperature can change the flavor of how the beans are expressed. We went from the lightest, most watered-down coffee to the most intense pitch black, uh, Vanta black coffee. And then we talked about how temperature affects all of these, how climate affects all of these, how, um, how high up on the mountain, uh, the beans are grown affects all of these and then how it's roasted. And all it took was somebody going from this end to this end. Here is all the different things that can happen. And then I was obsessed and I went from somebody who literally like 
whatever. I'll just I'll just get an iced coffee or an iced americano from Caribou or Starbucks. I don't give a shit. To now, like we have an actual coffee program at our house. Like, like a coffee program yeah. at your house. Yeah, yeah. You guys have an espresso machine. Too. Yeah, we have an espresso machine, and we ship in. When I have counter space for that, oh, I my the counter space is compromised by 800 gadgets so i need a bigger <laughs> counter <laughs> we're gonna need a bigger counter absolutely sorry uh, marnie <laughs> uh all right so i should probably finish the question yeah, also no no offense if you're i i don't care if you drink instant coffee yeah it's i'm not judging you we're talking about like me being judged yeah so but if you drink instant coffee and you know me in real life if you're a listener that knows me in real life and you want to see what it's like to have the type of home setup that i have I would be happy to make you a cuppa, a cuppa, a cuppa, a cuppa, a cuppa, a cuppa. I mean, we were uh, talking, morning. We were talking about this briefly um, earlier. It's, it's like, it's your f- mouth. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, drink what you like. That's rule number one for drinking anything or tasting anything. It's like, if you like it, well, great, congrats. Then you found it. But rule number two is like, be open to new things. Mm-hmm. Right. It would be a lot cheaper if I liked instant coffee. Yeah, right. And a lot cheaper if I got drunk fast. <laughs> <Yep>. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ain't that the fucking truth? Uh, all right. So for me, uh, I've talked at length on this podcast about how I, I don't feel bad about some of the cheap things that I enjoy. I am the gentleman who is sitting, sipping off of a 40 of Colt 45. Uh, I love that. There's always a plastic big bottle of some sort of whiskey that I can use for like cheesy cocktails or like, you know, mixers, mixed drinks. Uh, but I, I was going back and forth the whole way here, and I, I'm just going to say both. I have a squeezy bottle of already chopped garlic, and I know that that is a mm. sin for all of my friends out there. We also have bulbs of fresh garlic, but sometimes when I'm doing a quick stir fry, I don't want to have to go through and mince up all of the garlic. So you I will, buy chopped garlic at the store? Correct. And, and then, then I you... also have full bulbs of garlic. But then, in what but form? my question was going to be that. But then you put it, you take it out of whatever it comes in, or does it come in a squeezy? No, bottle? it comes in a squeezy bottle. Oh, yeah, I've it's not like seen that. it's like the like stand upside down uh, Heinz bottle. Yep, yep, yep. You, okay. Oh, I, yeah. I'm I'm not familiar with that aisle at the co-op. It is. Uh, <laughs> they always put it well, at High V. They always put it right underneath the actual garlic. Got it. So uh, uh, yeah. And for for like if I'm going to do a, a like a sauce from scratch, and I'm really going to put some work into it, or Throw if I'm going to do like yep. stock, I'll always oh. use real garlic. But for for the sake of like I don't want all my fingers to be sticky and smell like garlic for the next two days, <laughs> I really do enjoy that little squeezy guy. And I also, I have the same thing. I have a bottle of, of pre-made lime juice in, in my fridge. Really? And that comes also from, uh, I do a quick version of uh, Vietnamese nam pla, like a uh, lime juice, fish sauce, and Thai bird's eye chili hot sauce. And I, it doesn't last forever, so I don't always want to do a huge batch. And when I do want to make it, I don't want to have to go and buy like 17 limes at two and a half dollars a piece so I can hit the Asian market by my house and I can buy a one liter for three ninety nine. and I know it's terrible but what I do is I'll use two cups of that for the hot sauce and then I have the rest of it so that becomes the lime that I use when so I do a cocktail or like a Hemingway or a daiquiri or a, yeah more of a mixed drink kind of thing right. but we'll do like I'll make soda water I'll do soda water and mezcal and then just do like seven shakes from the lime juice bottle and I hate everything. Every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, fuck you. That's just not who I am. <laughs> but at the same time, that's totally who I am. 
and I, I, I've given myself different delineations for like what I have to use fresh lime for and what I have mm. to use this bottle shit for because I have to like right. somehow still make it okay for myself. Yeah, you yeah. make yeah. adjustments because both of those things are different than like the naturally Correct. occurring Absolutely. Ingredient. But hey, my mom always has the big thing of the lemon juice mm-hmm. on the counter. All old Lebanese ladies got that thing on the counter that they used to make because they make salad every night. Yeah. Lebanese people make salad every night. And it's literally just lettuce. Iceberg or romaine, tomatoes, cucumbers, and then you can put in some mint if you want. You can throw in some, you can make like some um, croutons out of flatbread. Yeah, that makes it a fatouche. You put parsley in there, whatever. Like there's, there's some things you can mix up. But the dressing, a Lebanese dressing, is just lemon juice, olive oil, garlic salt. Yep. And my mom doesn't want to be squeezing lemons Ooh. every night. So she's got that bottle, and I'm used to eating it. It works, but it's not the same. We it's do it, different. Because when I make it at home, I use lemon. Mm-hmm. I use like, I, you know, we got the squeezer and mm-hmm. I get my workout in and I squeeze 87 lemons. It tastes different. It'll, you know, like it burns your teeth a little bit, you know, like, yeah. there's a lot of lemon in this fucking yep. thing, but it does the trick. It yep. works. When my mom makes me a salad and she uses the bottle, it still tastes like a salad. And it's not like, uh, it's like I said, it's not something that I would use in everything, but mm-hmm. there are, especially if it's a quick dinner or if it's a, like a mixed drink instead of a cocktail. I, I literally don't mind doing that because I'm trying to do something that's just quick and easy and I don't have to put that much work into. But again, I've only created those rules so that I have a way of justifying why it's in my fridge when somebody opens my fridge. Uh, like I have a very good friend of mine, uh, shout out to the friend of the podcast, uh, Vanessa out in Connecticut. Uh, she is a first generation Italian and hates the fact that that squeezy garlic even exists. Mm-hmm. So every now and then when I'm using it, I'll just take a picture of it and be like, think of you, boo. And then I'll just do the <laughs> chef's kiss hand right next to it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've, never, uh, I've never used that garlic. I don't even know same. what it's like. It's, I'm not, now I'm curious about the constitution of it. Here's, just, here's what it, it is. Confu- something about it confuses have me. You like, bought, have you ever bought like just the, like, the McCormick's like, granulated garlic? Um, like the the shaker for I like, used to okay. like when I was in my twenties. Yeah. So imagine if that was wet. <laughs> That's exactly what it tastes okay. like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The dice is exactly the same throughout the entire thing. So that is to fresh garlic as Penzi's roasted garlic is. Or that is, yeah. So that that's like the McCormick's version of Correct. Penzi's roasted garlic to fresh Correct. garlic. Yep. Okay. Does that stuff? I bet I'm only surmising here, but I bet that Penzi's roasted garlic tastes as good or better than the prepackaged squeeze garlic. Absolutely, but you also you can't bite that. You Ooh. can't. There's no bite to that. Yep. I, I that is probably my the Penzi's roasted garlic is Stupid. probably my most used. That or the toasted onion powder. Those are from the two Penzi's. From, from yep. Penzi's. Hold on. There's one more you're missing, and I guarantee you use it as much as I do. That smoked paprika Ooh. is a cheat code. I love it. It's that and Aleppo for me. Code. Aleppo is my oh. number one. They're Cuban too. Like, yep. Come on, just let's be honest. Everything they do, everything is from there. Although, um, yeah, it, the turmeric. Yep. It's like, wait, this is turmeric. That wasn't turmeric. <laughs> this is turmeric. <laughs> have I have I talked about this on the podcast before? When I lived in Milwaukee, my apartment was on the top yeah, floor yeah, yeah. of the original Penzi. Oh no way! And wow. that there will never be for the rest of my life. I don't care if I live in the middle of a forest surrounded by a forest of pine trees. There will never be a better smell oh. than waking up in the morning with your windows open and them like milling fresh spices. Oh, wow. it, it was magical. What's the Indian holiday where they throw like yeah. dust on yes. each other? I would get high as fuck and get arrested for going yes. in there and just like powdering myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't remember the name of the holiday, but 
I would love that. Uh, and just be choking on paprika. <laughs> Sneezing all over uh, everything. Oh, my gosh. This is a bad idea. Uh, well, should we pour it up? Shot, and, shot and, o'clock. Yeah, shot, shot o'clock. o'clock. Oh, do you want to pour? Cause it, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll pour it. Which, uh, which one are we doing next? Are we on? Let's do the Vernal. You want to do the Vernal? Yeah. Sure. Uh, I'll quickly explain that. So Leatherby does this seasonal release gin uh, where they use variations on, on uh, uh, recipes. It's called, the, it's a, it's called Vernal. And the current release, I believe, is just a grapefruit gin that I saw on a shelf yesterday at Stinson Liquor, Wine, and Spirits, our beautiful local shop here in northeast Minneapolis. And I just had to have it. It just sounds beautiful on a hot summer day like Absolutely. we're having here in Minneapolis right now in August. Particularly, it, it, it works nicely by coincidence alongside the selection that uh, Mr. Eastman brought should Absolutely. We, let's let's pound this back, and then and then we'll get into the question. Oh man, that smells incredible! Cheers, cheers, fellas! Oh wow! Holy shit! That is so grapefruit. Oh my god! Mm. I that will be picking up a bottle of that tomorrow. Grapefruity, big time! Wow! Like straight away, it's wow! Mm. Straight away, it's zest. Yeah, it's it's un- and it's zest. unmistakable what it is. Yeah. Yep. Like, like blind, I guarantee all the three of us would have known. Well, that's a grapefruit something. Wow. The finish is like grapefruit juice. Yeah. And there's like the the bitterness from the pith, yeah. which I love. Yep. If you tell me something's grapefruit, I kind of want to taste that because that's how you know it's grapefruit. Yeah, I got like a little bit of like tingles right in the middle of my tongue from that. Oh, that's that's great. Oh, man. Marnie was like, what would you get this for? What do you want to use that for? I'm like, I'll just sip this I in the fucking sun. Put this in my face. Yeah. I will just put on some sunglasses, stretch back the gravity chair. And drink this until my eyes close. Wow, that is exceptional. Holy cow. It's been a these minute Vernals since I've are... had one of their releases. Oh, I love all of them. Yep. They just knock it out of the park with these things. All right. Holy Question number two, remarkably. <laughs> how far in are we? We're an hour in. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Eric's like, how long do these things take? Yeah, about two hours. <laughs> it will be fine. <laughs> Question number two. What's your go-to lunch in the Twin Cities or one that you will go out of your way to have? This is a very touchy subject right now. I know. We've talked about uh, the lack of lunch in the city. There's cities. no lunch. You can't eat lunch yep. in the cities. You can't no, eat lunch. None. Just, I mean, and that's That's why it's a provocative ex- question. It's obviously <laughs> an exaggeration. But, like, for, for real, if um, – one more time, just so I, I'm – Just like, what's question. your – do you have a go-to lunch now? Like, a lunch date you're like, yeah, man, I got to go get that lunch. Or, or something you'd go out of your way for. Um, While you're so jetting around town, you're like, I'm going to go across town for this. This is a, a multi-party answer. Number one mm. is I don't eat lunch most days. I yep. don't eat breakfast any day. Um, usually the first, Same. Yeah, Both. usually the first thing I eat is, you know, around now, right? Um, and it's not like I'm not fasting. I'm not doing this intentionally. It's just like ever since I was a little kid, my body just didn't want food in the morning. Like I remember like, you know, mom would always make pancakes or she would be so sweet and come up to my bedroom and ask me what I wanted, you know, for breakfast. And I'd be like, I don't know. But, um, just so you know, that sounds so fucking foreign to me. (laughs) Really? I want food all the time. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, which is, which is great. Um, so, so that's number one. I rarely eat before, you know, five. Um, but number two, sometimes, you know, like for work, I'm having meeting someone for lunch or sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'm hungry for lunch. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say right now, my what I crave for lunch and I don't have it a lot, but what I crave for lunch and I, I kind of edit myself and don't get it too much is Revival's Tennessee Hot Chicken. Ooh, yes, sir. That's just that's one of my favorite 
foodstuffs period that I've ever had. Sure. Right. That yep. that specific chicken and there's and like we're not going to name names. We're not going to throw folks under the bus. There's been so many hot chicken things that all have popped up them. that are like chicken tenders bone with bone dust it's on all bone them. out. Like all and of it's just bone like out. this is not how you do it. I'd rather see real fried chicken. Me too. Because there's so many chicky fingies. <sighs> that just chicken drives crispers. me absolutely insane. Um, but anyway, uh, so that would so revivals Tennessee hot. Um, but then seasonally in the winter, I want pho yeah. for lunch. I want pho. I don't, it doesn't have to be, I kind of oscillate between non if I'm feeling fancy mm-hmm. or I pho. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just, that's, I mean, that's what I want in the winter. I probably have it four times a week. I mean, and again, I don't eat lunch very often and mm-hmm. in the winter. I would definitely have that a bunch. What I do miss is meritage for lunch. Ugh. Like I now, Meritage needs to do what Meritage needs yep. to do because I need them to be open, just so I can go there and right. sit the bar. And magical, just like it's just like I'm getting goosebumps. It's so magical. For those of you not right, yeah. For those of you not in the Twin Cities, uh, not only is their food and hospitality program on an entirely different level, but it's one of those few places where if you if you shuttered the windows and I was standing in there, you could tell me that we were in Paris and I would believe you. Totally. You could tell me that we were in any other like posh city around the world and I would 100% believe you. Especially when Nico worked there. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Nico, you know, obviously from France. Yeah. You know, when he worked there, you could, you could do exactly what you just said and be abs. It's like, yep. Yep. Sounds good. Really, yep. Yeah, legendary seafood-focused yep. like French bistro. Yep. I've had many dinners there lately that consisted of nothing other than uh, sh- their shrimp, their raw shrimp, mm-hmm. or not raw shrimp, but their shrimp cocktail and oysters. Yep. Like, literally, that's it. That was the place that got me to fall in love with oysters. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. Absolutely. I bought a pile of oysters from them when I was making this stuff. Um, so, uh, but but that that's what's missing right now, and I understand that. There, I mean, just we're obviously living in a, this is this is just me complaining about a massive first world problem. That is the lack of kind of a wine lunch, a, mm-hmm. a refined lunch. And if and if I'm missing something, please let me know. But like you know, I feel the same way. You know, it's like there there just is no kind of nice lunch that you could go to over an extended couple hours with a bottle of wine or two, and just right. it's just kind of the make it nice lunch. If you wanted to, you know, take someone out to lunch, or if you had a business meeting that you needed to kind of impress a customer or whatever. Um, that just doesn't seem to exist currently. Yeah, like even lobby bars are not open during the day. And again, just, I, I understand why. Like, I get it. I understand why. There's a million reasons. I get it, but I do miss it a lot. It, no, it's it's a want, not need thing. But it also, I mean, for my side, my perspective as a creative marketer, there's so much opportunity there. Right. It, right. It's, it's no one is fucking doing it. No one's doing it. I have friends who are restaurateurs or chefs. I'm like, dude, open at noon just Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. and give me a budget for social media sponsored yep. ads. I will slap a graphic on your Facebook page, sponsor it with $250 a week. Boom. You will be slinging. You'll I be mean, slinging. No one knows where to go. People are like the Travolta gif, you know, they're like, you know, you ask someone, where do I go for lunch? And they're just like, I, dude, I don't know. I had a friend in town from Virginia. I told you this. I had a friend in town from Virginia and she said, Ooh, you've given me so many good recommendations. And I was in San Diego at the time. She says, where do I go for lunch? So my head was like so far away from here. So already, I already had like no recommendations, even if I was home, but I was far away from home. So I wasn't thinking about the places that typically surround me. 
And I was basically like, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Yeah, Take a nap and then go to Spoon and Stable at five. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's a great answer, actually. That's a, I would 100% but, but the thing, but you nailed it, is that there is an opportunity, right? And it's just like, like Meteor. They say, they, they told me the other day that Monday is their second busiest day. It's blowing up. And that's because they're intentional about yep. it, right? And that's because there's, there's just no, like no one does, but now guess what? Monday is like a versus, hugely yep, busy day Mondays. for Meteor. Yeah. And you can't tell me that if some, uh, like pick a nice, pick a fancy restaurant, I don't know, let's, I mean, let's call it Meritage, right? Yep. It's just for the sake of argument. Um, you know, if they just decided to do lunch a couple of days and they just devoted the whole, you know, just made it a thing, I, I just got to, th- I, I promise you I would be there like every week. I totally I agree. Mean, a million percent I would be there every week. Yeah. I, I went the other way with it. Mm-hmm. I went with uh, something like that when I'm having a shitty day, it can turn my day around. And uh, it's Triest Cafe in the Lumber Exchange building on 5th and Hennepin. I don't know it's, it. Uh, it's, um, What's it called? Triste Cafe. Okay. So it's essentially it. a Mediterranean fast serve restaurant. Very similar to like what you would find in like the Skyway system you mm-hmm. know, during okay. lunch. Only it's in the Lumber Exchange building. It's two brothers, uh, two North African brothers. Uh, it's Mohammed and I'm blanking on the other gentleman's name. But they've, they've owned it and been working there for the last 30 years. And when I, in 2003, when we opened the first nightclub that I worked at, um, Mondays and Tuesdays, I would be downtown just like helping clean and get everything set for, you know, obviously the next week. And there weren't a whole lot of options unless I wanted to walk, you know, halfway across downtown and really get into the Skyway stuff. So we'd run over there. And it's, uh, it's you know, gyro meat, falafel, baklava, all that. But what I love oh, yeah. is... You know, they'll trim the gyro meat and then they'll throw it on the fryer and then they'll make you the, you know, quote unquote Greek salad right there. Like he literally has just full vegetables and he'll chop you all of the vegetables for your salad. He does olive oil, then does, you know, the squeeze of the lemon with like mm-hmm. through his fingers to get the seeds out. Yep. Uh, and then does um, right into the salad, right into the salad. That's how you make a salad yep. in like North Africa, Middle East. Sure. And then he does a sprinkle of dried herbs, a pinch of salt, a pinch of pepper. Euro meat goes on top of that, pulls the, the, oh, lovely. the pita bread out Sounds of the awesome. oven, chops that up. Boom. You're, you're good to go. It is, it is a meal that not only makes you feel good, but seeing these two dudes, I've never seen anybody else work there. It's the two brothers and one of their wives. Wow. In, in going back to 2003, and I walked in there when everything reopened. That was the first lunch that I went to because I'm sure that they got their asses kicked just as bad, if not worse, than everybody because they close. They don't, they're not open for dinner. They close at 3 o'clock, and they're done. Oh, wow. So that's like ever rare in our marketplace, yeah. a place that is yeah. like come for lunch and then go away. <laughs> yeah, it's so exactly. the, the last nightclub that I ran is in that building. And I had not been in, in three years. And this goes back to what you were talking oh, about. Oh, really? At, at it's club. in that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Wait, so, where is it in that building? It's, I if, know this is Greek to most people so listening. So if you're, if you're looking at there, <laughs> there are two giant doors on the Fifth Avenue side. And if you walk in, it's immediately to the right. Yeah, I, Red Current used to be in that building. Yep. I used to write for Red Current. Yep. So. It's like if you walk in those front doors, it's immediately like you basically huh. almost take a U-turn. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. No, I can picture where that is even. So I haven't been, I haven't been to this place in three and a half years. 
And I walk in, and Muhammad turns around and he goes, I haven't seen you in so long. Oh, and he comes gosh. out and gave me a hug. Yeah. And he was like, Where have you been? Right. And I told him, like, you know, obviously I left you got working extra in this year building. On that salad. Well, it, no, you know what he sure. did? It's always, no, you get extra baklava. It's always, oh, yeah, he, he hits okay. you with the same protein no matter mm-hmm. what. But then he'll give you like hit that sweet tooth. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we'll, we'll, we'll do this, and then here's an extra mm-hmm. bottle of water. And, Winks at you, and yeah, and you're gonna drops go. an extra bottle in there. Uh, but that, that place, it's it's the only thing. Sometimes it's the only thing that I can have that will like get me out of a funk. Sure, and it's because when I was so fucking poor, I was living paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure it out. That was a place that I could go because it's like eight sixty five with tax yep. for lunch there, right? So I could go there. And then, you know, when we were at work and something really cool would happen, we were like, all right, well, let's go over there. We'll get some food and we'll, you know, we'll bring a box of Euro stuff back over. And then as I got older, I realized how fucking cool it was that these two dudes, both immigrants living in the U.S., started their own restaurant. And here they are almost 30 years later, still just killing it in the same spot, doing the same thing with the same business model. And I love it. That's like, incredible. Every time I'm yeah. there, it's impossible not to smile. Sure. So to anybody that, if you're traveling through the Twin Cities, if you're downtown, uh, it's the Triest Cafe. It's open. If I remember right, it's open. Can you open spell from, it? I'm... It's T-R-I-E-S-T-E. Okay. And it's... T-R-I-E-S-T-E. Uh, yeah. Triest. Okay. I was thinking like Trist. That's why I was... Yeah. Got it. I, okay. And I don't know the basis of, of the name. Sure. Um, yeah. But they're open from 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. That's incredible. Thanks and, for sharing that. Yeah. I, I literally have never heard of it. Never heard hey, of it. Hey, a lunch kind of, place. There yeah. Go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, the tough part is there's no street parking on either of well, those streets. That. So <laughs> you, you, have to, you have to pay to park in the Bob Dylan lot. There's a, a five-story mural. If I, if I give a fuck, I'm going to find a parking yeah. spot, yep. a street parking spot or whatever. Yeah. It's every time the, the smell of, of the Euro meat when you walk in is always like a wonderful smell. But for me... I, when I when I immediately start grinning, it's when he starts chopping up the vegetables that are going to be in my salad. Because there's nothing better than you know, like watching him grab the onion and cut the onion. Then he grabs the bell pepper and he cuts you off some bell pepper. And then he grabs and gives a, like a rough chop on the lettuce. Like that's what the fuck uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that I'm. It's not a pre mix. It's not any like the, these it's are not the a vegetables. Shell. Exactly. This is happening right now. Oh, and you can be like, you know, if you want a little bit more Cl- lemon a juice. clamshell salad under a heating lamp. Oh, yeah, like, just, why'd you do that? Why, like, why are you heating my salad? How <laughs> come, come all of the lettuce is wilted? Did we pre-wilt this? The clamshell's <laughs> melting. Is this, is this is the dressing? Okay? Is it? Lunch. Yeah, lunch, is is a, lunch is a hot button. Yep. It's and that, that's when it's, it's just always good. And that scratches the itch. That's yep. amazing. Great story. Uh, Charles, what about you? So my answer, due to the, the dearth of options for, for lunch, is going to be really uncertain. And also because I align with Mr. Eastman regarding my lack of eating lunch most days. I, I don't eat lunch almost any day. I intermittently fast. Uh, basically, I don't allow myself to eat until 1 p.m. And even then, I'm like very seldom actually hungry. So that could be like a smoothie at home. It could be... Um, like munching on vegetables, especially this time of year, man. There's just a bounty of vegetables. Totally. I go to the farmer's market a lot, too. So I just, like, I'll have a cucumber in one hand and a tomato in the other hand, like a little kid hanging out in the garden, just, like, chomping each of them. But when I'm going to get lunch, I, I like to make it count. Promise I'll end up sitting in the Jeep, like, looking at my phone, trying to figure out where can I even lunch? Where do lunch? You know, like, it's, it's this big question mark. And if I allow myself lunch or want or crave lunch 
everybody that listens to this podcast knows I'm obsessed with fucking smash burgers. So if I'm looking for something to eat, it's usually Friday. I allot myself one burger, one smashy boy a week. One smashy boy a week. One smashy boy a week. And I'm like, what spot haven't I been to that I really need to get to? uh, Or where do I enjoy eating at that is actually fucking open? Because there's this exchange of hours constantly. Like It's like a Rubik's Cube trying to determine when a place is open. Again, sure, a lot of it's out of necessity. Um, I mean, I... So I work with Prize Brewing Company, and we're, we're open all the time. We serve lunch, too, by the way. But Alex Jacoby told me when we were having a beer a couple weeks ago, it's great to be open all the time because then people never wonder if you are open. And that's so salient. I know not everyone can do that, but the idea that you're open every day, you're open all day, if people know that latently, they never have to think whether they can come to your place they're just like, let's go to Prize Air Open, right? So I, I enjoy that about places like that. I wish more places were like that. I understand why it's not feasible. For me, when I'm looking for a burger, I got to like seek. It's like seek and destroy, right? Yeah. Where, where the fuck am I going? I am elated that Dipped in Brie, Dipped in Debris went back to their longer hours. So Dipped in Debris has been brought up on this podcast. Legends. Been many episodes. Their local sandwich shop, of which we also do not have nearly enough. A sandwich shop. Guys, open sandwich shops. Where are the fucking yep. sandwich shops? But they do a great smash burger. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and they do like a, a, a plethora of other great sandwiches. They do cold sandwiches. They do hot sandwiches. They dipped into debris. It's all about that dip, baby. Yeah. Dip, baby. Oh, yeah. Dip. Soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Deteriorates in your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, hot jardinera on oh. it. Oh, yeah. Mm. So if you're, eating, if you're eating there, yeah, you can get something lighter. But, but you if, shouldn't. If <laughs> I'm getting lunch, I'm getting the dip. Almost certainly I'm getting the dipped or I'm getting the brass burger. tax burger. Yeah, dude, that burger is ridiculous. Like, yeah. And now they're open at 11 a.m. For a long time, you know, pandemic times and stuff, they started opening uh, only at 4 p.m. I think they're still closed on Sundays and Mondays, but now they're open at 11 a.m. I haven't taken advantage yet, but now that's like, that kernel's in my brain. Yep. If, I, if I'm like, I'm getting my weekly burger and I don't want to drive out of town because they're so close to me, boom, mm. brass tax, let's go. Ah, that place is so bomb. Talk to me about, um, and don't laugh, I haven't had the burger at Baby Zito. Oh, you went, right? I did. I have not been there yet. I is adore that it. open for lunch in the, in the, now in the Malcolm on, Yards Now market? they're open all the time. Friday. That's a great thing about Malcolm Yards is that oh, I forgot about that. Malcolm Yards, right by Surly Brewing Company, yep. correct, is open every fucking day. And they have... From like 11 to close? Yep. I don't know the exact hours, but yeah, sure. it's all day. And apparently it's getting really busy in the evening. I'm going to go on a weekday afternoon just to get some stuff. What if we went on Friday for lunch? Uh, yeah, yeah. What if we did? Yes, on okay. an afternoon. You want to go? Okay. Let's go. Yeah, I do. I kind of, because I, I, like, I haven't had that burger and I've heard it's extraordinary. I've heard, the, I've heard their burger there is slightly smaller than the original location. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm okay yep. with. 11 yeah, a.m. every so day. Many, there's so right. many things We're, to eat there. Exactly. I'm okay with that. Exactly. I'll order one of the burgers and then go to, uh, what's it called? A bangioli, the, uh, oh, right. the fried chicken spot. Yep. yep. There's Joey Meatballs. Aliment. Quam, you know yep. the Shout out to Josh right? Hedquist. Yep. Yep. Who's doing pasta there. He's doing fresh pasta in a quick service. Wow. So every single noodle that you get there is all made from scratch in that building. 
I did not know that. It's fantastic. There's wow. the um, there's like a vegetable spot called like Avellum or something. Mm-hmm. It's a very yep. vegetable from, focused. Uh, my, was Mike Shaughnessy? Yep, Mike Shaughnessy. Yeah. Cocktails from Kosovich and Company. Yep, and mm-hmm. I mean based on their ice orders, I mean they're they're, they're busy. Them out. Yeah. Well, it's it's been so great. So uh, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but I I do in fact work for Surly Brewing, and we have uh, O'Shaughnessy Distilling, which just opened. Shout out to future guest of the podcast, Pip Hansen. And then we have Surly <laughs> Brewing. And then on the other side of Surly Brewing, we have Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Hall. You can get it a little tore up in dude, that area It is right now. wild <laughs> seeing the amount of humans yeah. that are now hanging out in our neighborhood. And that's seven-minute drive down university from the yeah. ICE office. So uh, you'll, you'll be seeing me. It's, it, it, it is <laughs> it The parking is so situation last cool. week at O'Shaughnessy Ooh. was a little dicey. What's, like, can you can – I, can I, I'm going down there, guys. I'm not going to the concert. It was, can you just <laughs> – yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. were there. Uh, uh, the queen herself, Patty Smith – Played an outdoor show at Surly, and while I was at the show, Charles and his lovely wife were at O'Shaughnessy sitting on the rooftop watching said show. Oh, wow. And it was, yeah, the, the concert traffic plus Saturday night new stuff open we're in traffic. We crept up. It we was crept up by the fence. Wild. We were like, ha we could have oh. paid you for this. But that was, we watched the, the opener guy, the dude, yeah, Marty uh, Nelson. Greg Iskoff. I, oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ivan? Yeah, Gregory. Ivan? Gregory something East Ivanoff, European. Ivanov, Askoff, yeah. Askoff, Finlayson. Askoff, Finlayson. That sounds right. <laughs> that, that reminds me of Office Space. Sanagana. Sanagana. We're not going to work here anymore. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was, God, that was a fucking cool show. Patty Smith, by the way, just everybody. I we could have stuck around. Right now, yeah. pause the episode and go listen to a Patty Smith song <laughs> and then come back to it. God, she was fucking magical. 75 years old. And she owned that crowd wow. the entire time. Fun. Yeah, yeah, Marnie would. Marnie, I almost, I almost recommended that Marnie just go with you when mm-hmm. I knew I couldn't. But she's she. I think she had some other stuff going on or whatever. Let me watch that. She likes that opening guy. We were yeah. just standing there watching him, you know, from a pretty good distance. But she's like, "Oh, I love this guy." And she says to me, "You hear me play him in the kitchen sometimes." And I'm like, "These all." I hate to say it, but it sounds, sounds the same. it sounds like the song they play at the end of a show on Netflix when it's a sad cliffhanger. <laughs> they all sound like that song. I, I, I feel bad. I refer to all that as Zach Braff music. Yeah. Because anything that Zach Braff would be involved in would have all of those songs yeah. on there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. The genre is called Braff. Yeah, it's just called Braff. It's Braffian. Very Braffian. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, man, that show fucking kicked ass. And also, it was amazing to be at a live concert. I hope for all of our uh, live music fans out there, I hope you get to experience the same joy that I did watching a fucking show. Live music. When was this again? Saturday. Sa- this last Saturday. Remember was, live shows? That's incredible. Oh, my wow. God. I was, How just, did that, was that um, your first live show in some time? Since March 6th of 2020. Not that you're keeping track. That was okay. legitimately your first live show? Yep. Back? Wow. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got into my own head, and I didn't want to like throw it away at something I didn't really give that much of a shit about. So I wanted it to be something good. And when Patty, uh, Patty was supposed to play at a theater, and she didn't want to be indoors given what was going on. So she asked First Avenue to find her an outdoor venue, and it was surly. surly. So I got to stand at the place that employs me, drinking our beer, oh my goodness. watching, to me, the godmother of punk rock, uh, not only like be hilarious, but be really emotional. Uh, you mentioned Seek and Destroy. She told a great story. Her son is the guitar player in the band, and she told a story about uh, driving from Illinois to, or Michigan to Minnesota, and he was playing only Metallica and Iron Maiden. She's like, so now I got to figure out, like I got to figure out either an Iron Maiden cover or like a Metallica cover. So two songs later, they're going into like 
there from one song into the next, and it shares a chord structure with Enter Sandman. What? And her son started playing the Enter Sandman <laughs> lick, and I was like, Are, "Is this really going to happen?" And then you know they just went into the regular song. But oh, fuck, yeah. it was so oh, cool. Is this happening? <laughs> oh my god! If I get to watch Patti Smith cover Black Black Album Metallica, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I might. I might. What do I need just to pay to get right that? Yeah. Charles, get over here, dude. This song's you eleven minutes long. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, what are we? What are we sipping? What are we? Uh, this is a mezcal that I brought back from Los Angeles. Um, that I don't believe is um, quite yet available in the U.S. There was an event that I attended with my good friends um, Stephen, Ken, and Bex Opperman. That um, they go on this retreat to Mexico to Zihuatanejo, and they somehow connected with this producer. It's a woman-owned and operated um, business, and they make this really beautiful mezcal. They um, did an event in LA that I was fortunate enough to attend recently. And uh, I oh, got to got incredible. to try these. Um, oh. There's three different um, expressions, and uh, this uh, this is this is the bottle that I brought back. And we is would, it could think of ml? what's yep. up? Is that bottle 500 ml? Um, I think 375. It's, oh, okay. It's, yeah. yeah, that is skinny. It's okay. skinny. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's what? like me. It's a tall drink of water. <laughs> what's the name of the uh, what's the name it's of the company? It's Mano y Corazon. Hand from, and heart, baby. You got it from uh, Zihuatanejo, Mexico. It was uh, just an extraordinary event. And then I bought these um, that you guys are drinking out of, these little cups um, that were made by an artist, yeah. Jonathan Cross, who lives in L.A. as well. And, you know, it just one of the reasons I wanted to bring these today was so you guys could experience this art. Um, uh, and I just, there's, there's something about it. So Stephen and Bex are, are very, like, I had a question in the back of my mind. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here for a second. I had the question in the back of my mind to ask you guys, like, who is someone that's not a family member that has really significantly impacted your lives? And the answer for me is, are these two individuals, Stephen and Bex, um, who are friends of mine, live in L.A., and they've really, like, helped me in in a million ways. But one of them is, like, this concept of the intentional purchase not the impulsive purchase like it's like they make beautiful leather goods they make furniture they make you know very large scale things that for most people are not just something you walk into target and buy right and like so these cups are kind of expensive right and they're made by person and i got to have a conversation with the person that made these Dude, and that's so how he cool. makes his living and yeah, they're, they're beautiful they're each one of a kind yeah everyone is unique exactly yep. yeah and they and it's just like seeking out those experiences the more the, the longer that i that i'm here on this planet that's what i want to do is like have those experiences to 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 help someone or to participate in their art. And the way that I can do that with Jonathan Cross is like talk to him about why did you make this? How did you make this? Let me buy it. And cause so I can experience this for like for the rest of my life. And this can be a thing that's on my shelf that I feel like is one of the nice things when I have guests over and they want to drink mezcal, they're going to get it out of that. Um, and that's just, I, I just, I feel really strongly that those are the, those are the, the, the real moments that, that make life interesting to me. It's like you're inside my head right now. Like that yeah. is that is absolutely it to me. Like that, I would say that if you change the proper nouns, I would say the same thing about music. Like I, I 
I, that's why I love the thing. Like, tell me if I get a chance to meet somebody, I want to talk about like how you made the thing that I love so much. And then when people come into my house, I want to play the thing that I love so much because I love that. And I want to share that love with you. Please enjoy this. Precisely. And holy shit. Yeah. Even Cheers. from the table, how good this smells. Okay. Yeah. While I was pouring it, I was Bonkers. like, hello. Yeah, this is. Oh my God. Yeah. This is really Oof. beautiful stuff. Really, really, really beautiful stuff. Oh my goodness. Come on. <laughs> Sweet cream. Mm. <laughs> the, I, I mean, the experience out of the cup. Yep. Yes? Yeah. Oh, I love oh. it. Yeah. I, I love the asymmetry of it. I love. Oh, fuck. This Funky is really geometry. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and these are little kind of, they look like little meteorites almost mm-hmm. that are hollowed right. out. They're about the size of a small fist. And, you know, they, they just, they're kind of, they're, they're, so, so they're made out of one piece of clay that he, you know, kind of carves with a knife um, and then, you know, fires them. And it, there's a little kind of gold glaze on the inside so that when you're drinking it, you can kind okay, of see Okay, that's that. what that is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reticent to purchase these types of clayware because Marnie's gonna get mad at me because I'm gonna have like 800 of them like I do <laughs> beer glasses wine glasses yeah. whiskey glasses I'm a hoarder yeah, and that's that's the thing they're I mean they're a little expensive about two yeah. and it's like you know let, let, that's the exact right number in my opinion like let's we don't need half a dozen but two because this is for this is like like what this is like this podcast is a conversation right this this is what you drink this is what you drink mezcal out of when you're having a conversation absolutely and to answer your question, uh, I've brought it up uh, once on this podcast uh, when he passed, but Brad Smith is a human that I am not related to that, that opened my world up more than I ever told him, and I regret the fact that I didn't get to say it more. But um, he was the person, uh, and I'm saying this, I'm telling this story out of love because I adore him, but there was a night where um, when Brad and I worked at Asia, that Nick Kosovich was in and Tom Fom, the owner of Asia, loved to get drunk and then tell Nick to go back and like make some wild shit. And he was back making a cocktail and having a good time. And I, I can't remember what somebody asked him a question about like, like cause he was like speaking in third person or something like that. And he goes, Who was? Yeah, wait, which... Kosovich was okay. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, he said, somebody was like, well, isn't that rude or something like that? And he was like, well, yeah, but being polite doesn't get your face on a T-shirt. And Brad was, like, irritated about that. And we went in back, and we were just chatting. And he goes, it's just, I'm not mad, and I'm not offended. Everybody looks at this differently. I look at this job that, because he was obviously the bar manager, so he was in, you know, in charge of all of our schedules and training us and all that. And he goes, my job is to be a minor league coach. No one should know who the fuck I am, but I'll go to bed proud watching you guys all go on to bigger things because of the stuff that I showed you. That, that mentality changed the way that I looked at managing people. It changed the way that I looked at bartending, and it changed the way that I looked at life. And I, he stuck to those guns right up until his dying day. All he wanted to do was give all of the knowledge to people so that they could go do whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. Maybe they'll stay working with him for the next 10 years or maybe they'll go open their own bars and then he can go there and hang out. Isn't, like, that, isn't that the thing, though? It is to want people that you care about to be the best representation of themselves yep. that they can be. And how do I help you do that? Exactly. So I, I just feel like we're so good at calling out shitty things 
we forget point. sometimes to call out like oh my gosh. The, the the great humans that oh, help us get that's there. Such a so great point. I just I, I wanted yelp, to to, to give a shout out to to Brad Smith. People are three hundred percent more likely to leave a negative re- review than a positive review because yep. they're not fired up to write positive reviews usually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like Niver. I mean, not to bring it, it's all. It's like kind of my universe revolves around Tim Niver. It sounds like if you're listening to this podcast, but it's not. It's like, it's not wrong. Is it because we were it's hanging like, out with him on? Maybe. Sunday? I mean, like yeah. it's just like how. Yeah, maybe. I told him he's coming on the pod too. Yeah. Well, I basically walked to everyone at the wedding, shook their hand, and said, "You're coming on my podcast." <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind of like, ordeal? T- like Tim Niver really introduced me to this concept of hugging your friends yep. and telling yes. them that you love them. Yep. What a beautiful thing to share! It's like it's it's, like it's it's so simple but so accurate. It's mm-hmm. like like wow that why, why don't we do why don't why didn't we do that sooner? What a, Not yeah, that what Tim a shitty thing that, that we have to learn it. What's that? Yeah. What, what a shitty thing that we have to learn that as men. You know, that's a great point. We were, totally taught, we were taught the inverse of that. Right. And the unfortunate reality is we should have always been taught, hug your friend. You know, mm-hmm. you're on a playground, you played a game of ball with your friend, go fucking hug him. Tell mm-hmm. him you love him. Yep. We were told don't fucking do that. Yep. Point at him and sneer and then just get in the van. Maybe punch him in the arm. They'll question their, their existence while right. they, they're home with scuffs on their knees because you just embarrassed them on the court. That was, I had the discussion with my father yesterday. We were talking about uh, like how hard it is navigating relationships and all that kind of stuff, and I said, you know, it's it's tough because I'm like a super soft, smushy romantic, and my wife is very analytical, and like she doesn't always feel comfortable like gushing the same way that I do. Like you know, on birthdays I'll do like a whole long fucking post, and like because that I that's how my brain works, and that's how my heart. How about works. your wife on her yeah. birthday? Sure. Yeah. Um, and and my dad was like, well, how do you navigate that? I'm like. It's because I, I get it from my, my whole world because I am fortunate enough that pretty much every guy that I'm close with, we say I love you to each other, we give each other giant hugs, and we fucking cheer each other on. Like, we talk all kinds of shit, and we say awful things to each other, yep. but we also always follow it up with I love you, and if you ever need anything, I'm here for you, and like a really solid embrace. And that, to me... like. It doesn't always have to be, you don't have to get all of your everything from one human. That's so much pressure to put on one person. Right. But if we allow ourselves to actually be open w- with our relationships and we can get that same shit from friends, it allows all of that to breathe. And I think that's such an important thing. And you're right. We don't fucking talk about it. We have to learn it on our own and then kind of quietly keep it to ourselves. I hope we're raising a generation of, of future men that are taught those lessons by people like us that learn yeah. arguably too late, you know, knowing, Very much knowing so. like my teen years and, and my twenties and how tumultuous, like my early twenties in particular, how tumultuous things were and, and you know, how chaotic they could be. And a lot of that was misplacing emotions that had a very obvious place to place them. <laughs> sure. Right. I would hope that people of our ilk, of our age, uh, our peers are raising kids that tell them, go hug your friend. Tell them you love him. And I think they are. I believe they are. I do, too. I think that's happening. Mm -hmm. I do, too. I mean, I think that is, um, as someone without kids, someone, you know, uh, that is a, a reason for to have kids is to, uh, I mean, this is, this, gosh, this is, this is, we're wildly off topic, but, but like that, <laughs> I think, to but, I think, but I think about that. I think about that. It's yeah. like, you know, affecting, that was trademarked, affecting, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> affecting the world with, you know, with 
bringing more people into it that have these kinds of sensibilities, like uh, with with men kind of departing from that toxic masculinity and being comfortable with being vulnerable and being open about telling another man that you love them. And it doesn't it's not it's not a weakness; it's a strength. Absolutely, it's a and strength. It's, it, and like and again, like to, not to bring it back to Niver, but yeah, like he, he's a big reason of like why like that that he instilled that. In, in me as a as a as a good friend as a friend that I, um, I really bonded with quickly, and I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. Of course, duh. I love you, Tim. Of yeah. course, like that. It's just it's that's that's the good stuff. Thanks for t- thanks for the opportunity to talk about stuff like this, you guys. Yeah. I mean, this is this is really good. This yeah. is yeah. really good. This love is the good stuff. I saw a post on Facebook a couple of days ago where it was, um, I don't think it was the direct person. It was a quote of somebody else, but. A husband said to a wife, sometimes I regret raising kids in this world. And her response to him was, um, never regret raising dragon slayers when there are dragons to be slain. That's it. So it's it's like a a beam of light, I guess, when you don't know. Like if if, if you can't quite fathom, like, was this the right choice to bring people into the world that we live in? You know, maybe it's up to them to to like do the things that you were unable to do in, in your lifetime. That's interesting. Yeah. My answer to that question, cause you know, I could go a number of directions and I'm going this way because you had said like someone who isn't family. Well, I don't have a lot of family. I grew up with just my immediate family and, um, didn't have my father in my life. Most of my life is me and my brothers, my two brothers and my mom, my older brother's disabled. Like we, I've talked about him. He's my hero. We had surrogate grandparents next door. I've talked about Grandpa Raj. That was my guy. Uh, something that occurred to me is uh, Mary Cassidy from Maeve's Cafe. She was like, you know, people like to talk about commiserating with their barman, like going to have a drink and then spilling everything out, free therapy, or at least, uh, you know, $15 an hour, depending how quickly you drink. <laughs> but Mary was like, my daytime, you know, if I, if I was... I had a bad night or especially in my twenties, if I was, I lived alone, it was just me and the cat. If I was like having a bad night or I was like agitated or angry or, or sad, I would get on my bike and whip over to Maeve's cafe for a cold press. And Best I would cold know, press in history. In history. No question. And I would know that Mary is going to be there almost certainly and would, would want to yak with me for a while. And I wouldn't tell her what was wrong. I think she always knew if something was wrong, but I'd never tell her something's wrong because it's not in my programming. But she'd find a way to, like, she would just, just being her, it would, like, shake me out of whatever whatever mode I was in. It was, like, my, my cafe mom, yeah. you know? She's like, uh, do, do, you, do you know Mary at all? I don't. Okay. I don't. Hanging out with Mary, it, like, or being able to go and get a cold press, it was like being able to go visit Stevie Nicks and get oh a really gosh. good cold press. Like, she's very like brash and <laughs> full frontal and um, uh, boisterous. She can be loud, yeah, funny, but she's the fucking best. Wow, the fucking best. Yeah, yeah. I made her a sign maybe like six months prior to the closing of Maves, which was a tough decision for her, but it was the right decision, especially considering this last two years we've had made her sign to hang up that said, uh, questionable advice for you with every purchase (laughs) that we hung up on the wall. And she just got a fucking total kick out of that. I was like, that's very much, 
you come up to order a coffee and <laughs> it's true. You, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> she, uh, she, so we, uh, we kind of became friends, friends, like kind of near the end of Maeve's and, uh, we follow each other on Instagram and it's, I feel like a little kid and having like my cool aunt tell me that something is cool. Every time she likes something or she like favors or favorites something or she comments on something, I feel so mm-hmm. proud. Cause like, yeah. I was like, Oh fucking Mary thought that was cool. All right. <laughs> I'm doing it right. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's great. I feel like, uh, I feel Absolutely. like we should ask our question. Yeah, we're another. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're on a. We're gonna have eight questions. Yeah, we're hey, we're on a we're on a quest. So far, at least we're on a quest for fun right now, and quest I like it. The ends. <laughs> uh, all right. So, as you've pointed out, you have not taken a paycheck from like the bars that you love and the the way that you've you know <laughs> gone around writing all these cocktails. I should clarify you. that I haven't taken a paycheck for working a shift. That, sorry, that's that's what I meant for yep. working a shift. Uh, but obviously, that implies that you have a wealth of knowledge about how to build a cocktail program, how to make things that really make sense. Uh, for our listeners out there that have, they, wanna, they want a home bar where they can start doing stuff like this. Is there any advice that you would give for somebody who has decided, you know what, this year I'm going to kind of get into like some craft cocktails. I'm going to start building up my bar. Uh, is there a direction that you would want to point them to? This is how I would start. Where are you? Ooh, great. That's an outstanding question. I think my answer to that would start with what do you like to drink? Is there a spirit that you favor? And I would actually say, I would, I would break that into two parts. I would say, what is the spirit that you favor? And if it's vodka, ignore that. It, and like, not that that I, yeah. don't, I don't mean that in a in a douchey way. Yeah. I just mean like, okay, like that, great, you know, fine. But like, pick something else that yep. you like, and then yeah, that's plug and play. Is that it, what you mean? Right. Like, it's just kind of like whatever. Sure. I mean, right. Like, it, and it's again, it's not wrong to like vodka. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying let's 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 choose something else and then that you like, and then also choose something that maybe you think you don't like, and really go down those two hallways and explore classic cocktails that embrace let's just call it let's call it gin and mezcal sure right so let's say instead of vodka let's go let's go gin so let's take and let's get a few different gins let's get three different gins let's get like something like this this um this vernal gin from leathery yep the grapefruit gin and which is just kind of in i would call it in the other category correct right and then let's get like a, a new American gin, which I find personally challenging to make cocktails with, but I don't. I, I, I like it. I just it's just the stylistically it's dif, it's difficult to plug it into classic recipes. But but get that, taste it over and over. But what I would really say is then get a bottle of London Dry responsibly. Make, taste it over and over responsibly. Take it, taste it responsibly, of course. <laughs> But really focus on that London dry gin and get it, let's just because if it's gin or whatever the spirit is, take a classic. It has that, a baseline exactly. to understand your and flavors. Get comfortable because anything that you do in any vocation, you need to get comfortable with the fundamentals mm-hmm. and what the classics are classic for a reason. They work. The Yankees uniforms are classic because they work. Mm-hmm. Like the Martinis classic, it works. Like just get familiar with how to execute those things and then develop a style around that. Like, is your what is your palate like? What does your palate 
like seek out mine is we talked about this earlier savory things yep. like i love Agreed. i love savory cocktails vegetables and cocktails umami and cocktails so you know living near the farmer's market i developed a style that embraced that and then what i would also say and this goes back to something i said earlier is like be open to new things and if if mezcal isn't your thing well let's let's think about why that why why we why we think that and i'm not trying to force mezcal or anything that you don't like on someone but i just think that when i think back to the first time i had scotch yeah don't knock it till you try it i didn't like it mm-hmm. i didn't like scotch the first time i tried it period sure. and who's ever know, liked sushi the first the, time they had exactly it? Yep. The, the more times that you 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 give something an opportunity or, or tweak it and try different styles that's that's a big thing. So I think the answer to your question, I, you know, is to to start a home bar is to embrace fundamentals. On don't try and make every drink. Pick something to focus on. Pick a spirit. You can you can seek out you know via I mean, and the other, here's here's another thing for the home bar is just buy the Death and Co book. Yep. It's the only book you need. You don't need any other books. Period. Number one. The, the number one, two, three, four, and five should be the Death & Co. book. You don't need any other cocktail books at all. And that Yeah, they're the ones who are pushing, like, the oleo, like, using... Yeah, using, yeah, I mean... Using, and, and then uh, uh, expressing with... Um, absinthe. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Express so many, it's like just, little, it, little flourishes. They have, they have all the recipes that they have in that book and all the techniques are just... They're accessible... Their second book, Cocktail Codex, is a little bit, you know, I want to say more advanced, but it's just it, it talks about things in kind of a different way, kind of a next, mm. kind of a next generation. They got another way. one coming out in the fall. I yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, but the death, if you get the Death and Co. book, pick a spirit, pick a couple cocktails, get really comfortable with those. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't. Then just then you know adjust. Um, and is it too sweet for you? Is it not sweet enough? Um, do you want like and look at the and, and if you get the Death and Co book, make sure to look at the infusion section mm-hmm. in the back yes. because that's really how to add different like th- like this this yeah. cocktail this oyster gym. shell oh, mezcal shit. Negroni yeah. right this is an infusion of this like the, like that that the way that you really add really interesting things to cocktails in my opinion um, is infusions with and and that's different if you're infu- like the the proof of this thing that you're using. And whatever you're infusing it with impacts the amount of time that you want to execute said infusion. Absolutely. Like if you infuse basil leaves in water, you know, that's going to infuse at a different rate than if you infuse basil leaves and, you know, 100 proof whiskey, right? Because that whiskey is going to extract more things out of that basil quickly. Um, and just and play around with that. And I've found that, like, Doing infusions in the refrigerator kind of th- slows things down, and that's where I did this cucumber infusion. And it turned out like literally crystal clear. It's amazing. Um, I did a pineapple whiskey with that recently, and it also turned out just like crystal Ooh. clear. And I've been I've been loving doing that because you can kind of it's kind of set it and forget it. You just kind of infuse it, throw it, or you know, I use a Cambro and I chop whatever up that I'm using. Like for example, the pineapple. Pour a bottle of whiskey on it, put it in the refrigerator. Whenever I see it again. I strain it, but like for for the home bar, just like really focus on on kind of a spirit and executing a few things, and then adjust. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
Uh, Charles, what what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm taking it in a totally different direction. This is going to sound like pandering. Subscribe to Libations for Everyone. Subscribe to Libations for <laughs> <Then>. Everyone. <laughs> uh, no, so what I'm going to say is for someone, for someone starting a home bar, I know you can maybe feel like I did when I was making cocktails. I remember specifically making this rum watermelon cocktail where I juiced the watermelons. I made a mint simple, all that shit. And I was texting people like Gorski, Rob, Jones, uh, Jesse held, I don't know, like a bunch of people like, what do you think? And and I felt really self-conscious about it. One of the easiest ways to feel more confident about what you're doing, because sometimes it just takes a little flourish to feel like what you're doing is effective is good ice. Mm. Like, it, it <laughs> is. I'm not, I'm not pandering. It's the truth. Mm. Like when you have your weird cloudy ice from your fridge and you're making a cocktail, like when you when you punch the button and you said uh, cube not crushed, and then you like you know getting your dog getting doinked in the face, and it's like half of it's on your wrist, and it's all cloudy, and you know it's got the weird like it's like a galaxy exists in it, but not in a cool way. And then you give someone that drink, and you're like, yeah, I worked three days to make this cocktail for you. And then they see, like, the weird cubes in it, and then they take a sip of it, and it's probably pretty good. But even for, like, your own purposes, you're looking at it, and you're like, man, that's a lot of work for this beautiful pink watermelon mint rum cocktail that I produced to have it all jacked up by a bunch of shitty ice. And also, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't fucking taste good. It's a small thing, especially now, the accessibility of it, because I didn't have access to your ice, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I was making said drink i couldn't just go down to the local liquor store and pop open the m and pure ice fridge and grab a grab a bag of good stuff which is like what we did at the negroni party absolutely we did get two big bags of that and fucking throw that in the freezer and i tell people you make your drink go grab i mean it's a summation of details right i mean it's like like you 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 took all that time to make that watermelon rum situation really special and then certainly at execution it's just like well if you don't keep that level of detail you've you're, kind of wasted tastes better it you're, bring, looks you're bringing better, a date to a strip club better. with an unwashed ass like, like, <laughs> you did everything else right but yeah. you still didn't wash your ass no. <laughs> you gotta you gotta wash your ass. you gotta wash your ass <laughs> depends on the strip club you went to that's fair oh man yeah i uh I, for me, I guess I would say it's the same advice that I give people when they're talking about wanting to get into cooking. And it's, you have, there are very few things on earth that have the ability to test uh, like cocktails do. You can go around to 200 places in any city in the world and you can try any cocktail. So go find two cocktails that you really like. Talk to the bartender and ask, hey, I really liked your version of this. How do I make that? I don't know very many bartenders that would be like, oh, no, can't tell you. Everybody will pretty much tell you that's this is proprietary. No. Start with that and then figure out, this is what I always tell people. When you have something that you like, when you have a dish that you like, ask yourself why. What is it about this that I like? Is it the savory notes? Is it the bright citrus? Is it the herbaceousness? Is it the weird salinity? Is it the spice to it? Whatever it is, try and ask yourself those questions and then think, okay, well, if that's what I like, what are some other ways that I can express that? Sure. And then, like, for me, gin would be a great example. Gin, my love of gin started with a martini. 
But then I started asking, like, well, what do I really, what do I like with gin? And I didn't enjoy tonic water. I still don't love tonic, period. Yeah. But I loved lime. I loved lime juice and gin together. So then I would look up lime juice and gin on the internet because you have the entire universe in your pocket at all times. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, I could read through all these other things. Okay. Well, this one seems interesting. I'll go to a bar and I'll ask them, can you make this? They'll make it for me. And then I'll try it. If that's good, okay. I already have this bottle of gin because I like to gin martini. Now I'm going to buy these two bottles and I'm going to bring it there. The reason that I like telling people to do it that way is so that then when people come over, you don't say, figure out something. You say, hey, I love this cocktail. Would you like one? I have some moves. And th- yeah. I've and then, practiced. Yep. yep. And then you've already practiced that. You kind of have that in the repertoire. And then as you get better at it, as you keep tasting things, you'll start to notice, oh, I bet this would go good with this. And then you grow it from there. I mean, eventually you arrive at the point where you can, you can make things without ever having tasted them before. And that's, that's really when it starts to get really interesting and fun. It's the best. Right? And it's just like, well, gosh, I have this vinegar. And you know, then I have this, this, this almond syrup that I made. And I'm just going to put that with this gin. I'm going to make a gin Mai Tai. Yep. You know, with, and it's yeah, going to be amazing. And, and I'm going to use this gin from New York that's made out of apples. And it's, it's you know, all these different combinations, limitless combinations of flavors that can exist in your brain if you're passionate about it. It's that what it's what gives you a sense of creativity and gives your cooking or your cocktails style. Absolutely. And that's like it's probably my most like when I make the like the face that would be associated with the sound for all of us listening out there. When I make that face, I will that's probably the thing that I say the most to my wife is in my head this works. Like sure. I, I think that this works. But we'll have to find out. And there are times where not only does it work, it works better than I could have ever dreamed. And there's also times where I've mixed seven things that are very, very strong flavors. And somehow it ends up tasting like nothing. Where they all just sort of canceled each other out. Yep. That also happens. And ooh, that's actually the other part that I would say is don't be afraid to fuck up. If you don't right. like something that you made, just pour it out and do another one. Man. Like, or add something to it yeah. to make it... That's okay. Digestible. Yeah. There are so many cocktails that I have come up with that I thought was going to be like a really new spin on a blank. And it was garbage. Sometimes even shitty cocktails are, you know, just whatever. Drink it's it learning. Or That's where learning happens. That's, that's the word, too, right? Yep. That's where like learning a, happens. Yeah, yep. soda water. Yeah, like when we were in Crosby, Minnesota, there's this cocktail bar there. No offense to them. It's called Hard Water. But everything felt like it was missing something. If I was still just trying to tie one on or felt wasteful, I, I would have finished the drink. But I was like, ah, this, this could use a little citrus, something like that. It's okay. Like, not, not everything's going to be perfect. Even yeah. places like that. Crosby, Minnesota has a fucking cocktail bar. And they're doing some things well. And eventually, I bet they'll get a lot of it right. But you're not always going to get it right on the first yeah. try. If you expect everything to be right on the first try, anything that you do, it's like we talk about this this proposition of there are no more masters because everyone thinks they have everything figured out immediately oh, like you you joked earlier about uh, eric about making this twice the the um but the, the oyster, the oyster shell. so now i'm an expert i made it twice yep, so now it. i'm an expert yep, you did your own research you're good to go yep, exactly. right. <laughs> i mean and and you know that's that's the other thing you know is like being comfortable with being with with 
screwing up and being wrong. I mean, like that's yeah. that's like there's no right. shame in that. No. That means you're you're working and you're doing something and you're creating. It's also awesome to fuck up. Like, take a little bit of the air out of the room, giggle a little bit, and then be like, all right, I probably shouldn't have done that. And then, and then I'm going to learn from that. And then also the corollary to that is it's like sports, too. If you want to get better at golf or tennis, play golf or tennis with people that are better than you. Yeah. And talk to sure. them. And, and just, you know, like, make, yeah. like, make cocktails. Few drinks go, to people who know what they're talking go about. To, drink drinks with people that have amazing yep. palates. Go to bars with people that have amazing palates. And then you'll find your strip club, your place, mm-hmm. right. where that they can just, wow, you really connect with that person or those people. Yeah. And you learn. If you, you give grow. your homemade, uh, your homemade uh, tonic syrup to your Aunt Laura in a G&T, I bet you she's going to keep drinking. I'm yeah. just going to be like, this is, this is excellent. This is amazing. But, you know, find, find someone who knows what they're talking about. If you want to improve your craft. Mm-hmm. If you feel comfortable with it, then who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. If you're like, I really like this, then it's okay. You don't need someone else to Congrats. tell you that it's you really not like good. It. But I, if you want to know, if you want to know, then you can ask someone who knows. Again, going back to what you said. It's your fucking mouth. It's, like, it's, it's, <laughs> you're the only person who should be the arbiter of what's going in your mouth. Correct. That's right. <laughs> in, yeah. in every aspect Period, of Period. End of story in all regards. <laughs> Well, fucking cheers. cheers to that. Cheers to that. Oh. That's that's what do we got? This is Leatherby again. Yeah, perfect. yeah, perfect. That was, and then uh, Charles been. Europe. Ooh, hot damn! That is so fucking good. That is. Yeah, I really love it, and it is very like tingly. Like you get that. Yeah. Like you right. You said earlier. I mean, there is definitely zest and citrus mm-hmm. going on there. Like the mm. duality there is very present. Right. Mm. Dear God, we're on question four? Yep. <laughs> That's real. Four of 17 questions? How many are there? Okay, yeah. great. Well, no, it's, we're, on, we're on six of four? Four of, sure. four yeah, of yeah, eight? I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I was told today that you are a big uh, vinegar aficionado uh I'd, I'd love me some vinegar yeah, yeah. i was told uh, at at our little cigar club at, that at you coffee. made vinegars yep. and and that you uh like to make yeah that you like to make them like to use them yep what is your favorite vinegar to use if you had to select one without question it's like for all the the folks that live in the metro here in the mm. twin cities it's by far by so far by a factor of infinity it's uh laginelle from Banyuls in France. And it's available at France 44 for like $22 for I think it's 500 mils. What, what kind of vinegar is it? It's red wine vinegar. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's from the like literal, a good one. What's up? Not, not the one you get at Cub Foods. Correct. <laughs> so this, this vinegary, I've, I've been to a couple times in France. It's in, abs- it's in southern France in the absolute middle of freaking nowhere. Okay. Right? A pile of one-lane roads that are actually two-lane roads that are terrifying when another car comes at you from the other direction. <laughs> um, so this vinegary, it's run by, I would call them, you know, like... I, you know, for this, this is not a derogatory. They're, they're they're basically French hippies, and that this mm. is what they do. And they they have these. I believe they're burgundy barrels that they've cut a hole in the top. Oh shit! They have they put wine from Banyuls in there. They let it do its thing. It turns to vinegar, and basically that's 
I mean, they, they do a bunch of other things. Like I'm talking about the red wine vinegar that you can get, sure. you can actually acquire here, um, it, which is which is which is absolutely crazy that you can actually buy this vinegar here in town for twenty yeah. like for What's twenty nothing for they, twenty nothing dollars based on where it's from. Right? Do they have a sizable output, or are we just lucky that it was sourced so. here? I, I think we're uh, just lucky. I mean, like honestly, I'm not positive. Did but you they, find them first, or? I found well. Like, did you acquire it here and no, then you no, no, visited no. them? It, so no, no, no. So, so when I visited the Hoffmans, Steve and Mary Jo in France, we went down to Collier, which is the uh, sardine capital of the world, I think. Mm-hmm. And right by there is Banyuls, and so we went to Banyuls and found this. They were aware of the vinegary and took me there and <laughs> literally changed my life. Because this, this stuff is, I mean, you you can just you could sip it, sure, and it goes on anything, and anything that it touches is instantly better. I literally was going to bring it to. I'm not making this up. I, no kidding. I, I was going to bring it today to put in this cucumber gin, and Ooh. then I think I just there was one too many things and I forgot. Maybe yeah, but three quarters it, of the way. It is, and and you know, making vinegar too to a martini is. is you know, again, I'm not an expert, but what what I've done is has been successful, and that's been taking. I love wine. Like I basically like my my journey into a career in ice started in wine at a part with a part time job at Haskell's, Ooh. and so Just like putting a Cuban Chardonnay, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> and you know, in in France at this this winery they would take like the last little bits of bottles of wine and put them in this big glass thing called a bonbon and just let it sit there and turn into vinegar over yeah. lots and lots of wow. months and years and so i started doing that at home and guess what that makes really good vinegar it makes Talking really good That's vinegar such an awesome idea it's it's like just every like all the good not the not the not the not the mediocre wine that you buy. The nice stuff that you buy, like save an ounce of it in mm-hmm. in a in a mason jar in a in a wine bottle, and just let it sit there. And I like the first time I did this. Is it a sealed bottle? How do you? Yeah, just cork. I cork it. Okay. Sometimes and then I uncork. It. I just I put the cork back in it and just kind of leave it there. And then sometimes I take it out. Like in the winter, I'll take it out, and then summer I'll put the cork in when the fruit flies are around. Yeah. And. You know, um, I mean, the first time I did this, I was right back right after I got home from France in 2016, and I did that with a bunch of wine that I had, and I got like probably three quarters of a 750 milliliter bottle full of really like one ounce pours of really dope wine, and then I put it. This is a true story. I put it. This is my refrigerator. I put it right on the ground next to my refrigerator next to the out exterior wall of my apartment and i forgot about it yeah. for like two years and then i was like jeez oh, like i've gosh i forgot about that and i they picked it up decanted it a little bit and was like uh wow. that's a thing yeah that's a thing so i've done that ever since that's amazing um, just kind of saving little bits of of great wine it hasn't worked well with champagne and i just, i'm not okay. exactly sure why but i have a bottle of champagne that i have mostly full of little bits of champagne yeah. and it has not it's resistant to it could turn. be the champagne yeast is exactly yeah you know it, there's 
a bunch of factors that could be at play there. But it's just like, it, it, you know, it, it's being comfortable with like, hey, this might not work, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try this. And like, this is, this, is what, this is what I saw in France. This is what they do. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel closer to those people when I do stuff like that. That's amazing. So in yeah. that, the vinegar that you can actually source at France yep. 44 here in Minneapolis, and probably if you're listening to this elsewhere, it, it seems For like sure. if it's available... Yep. In South Minneapolis, and maybe you can find it elsewhere as well. What What is the name of it again? Laginel. L-A-G-U-I-N-E-L-L-E, I believe. Okay. Laginel. It's, cool. um, it's literally, I believe it's twenty one ninety nine for a small, you know, like 500 mil bottle. And What do you use it for? Anything you everything. would use? A, I put it on all literally things. everything that I make. Like, food-wise. Like, literally yeah. nothing doesn't yeah. get that vinegar. Splashing. Like, Beautiful. And in and, and cocktails, too, you know, it's like I, I there was a, um, a gin old fashioned that I was making for a while that got a dose of that with oh. um, some cu- some cucumber syrup and that vinegar. Um, yeah, it was. I'm also a savory cocktail kind of person. I'm a savory everything kind of person. But savory cocktails, that's yeah, adding those elements, something just like and that's, some tartness, that's a- some sourness, some salt. Like and that's a different differentiates a lot of you know restaurant cocktails and restaurant food from home food i feel like is acid and salt right and it's just you know a yep, lot the of little times additives the little flourishes yep and you know some of the best food that you like you know has has way more salt than you might think oh yeah and that's the reason that it that you like it is because wow that oh i know yeah oh, I, know. I know you know yeah i got yeah. i got a salt tooth <laughs> i say i got a salt tooth like a smash burger needs to be for me, all food needs to be borderline too salty. Yep. Correct. You need to question, is this too much salt? And then you go, no, it's not. Like, that's what I want. Yep. I want a crazy amount of salt to the point that you're like, is this Questioning it. That's a great way to describe that. Yep. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I was trying to get the sun out of your eyes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't I look cool, though? Don't uh, I look you, you look very sinister, <laughs> but I can't. It's it's very rare. I don't like when I'm not tall enough to reach something. Same. But, uh, oh, shit. yeah. It's like a seven foot two. Reach I can grab my sunglasses and look like a real fucking asshole <laughs> sitting in the sunlight here. Vinegar, great question. That's yeah, like yeah. I'm very passionate about. I'm gonna go. Without without I go? Really I, well, I mean, I can. I uh, yeah, cool. the the vinegar that I dream of mm. was. Um, also, when, when we were in France for my 40th yeah. birthday. I was going to guess. It was uh, we were in France. They did. And I, I don't even know. We never got to see what it was because the bottle was unlabeled. But there was a, a paintbrush of vinegar uh, on our plates. And when we did the blue-footed chicken, we had a, a chef come oh, wow. and cook a dinner at the chateau that we had rented. And that, it was the most viscous vinegar that I've ever seen. It was amazing. Uh, but I want to sing the praises of... Uh, no, you guys won't be able to tell if I'm sleeping. <laughs> I wanted to sing the praises of, uh, of cloudy-ass apple cider vinegar. For um, sure. I, I yeah. use that to brighten up hot sauces. I use that to brighten up savory things. And it's my favorite. We've talked about it on this podcast before. It's my favorite thing to do with when I get really excited and there's a deal on fresh fruit and we think we're going to eat all of it. And somehow in three days, we didn't go through four and a half pounds of fresh fruit and it starts to get squishy and gross. 
a cup of sugar and a cup and a half of apple cider vinegar will give you the greatest mixer for any soda water, plain water, cocktail, whatever. It's the best. ACV is magic. Yep. Just run out into your garden, grab whatever herbs you want. Go to the grocery store if you don't have a garden. Grab whatever herbs you want. Throw that in with fruit. Put it all together. It is the most versatile flavor that I have Absolutely in my kitchen. Brilliant. I use ACV for all of my hot sauces unless I use a specialty vinegar. Yep. It's, it's like... But I'll uh, also say white vinegar doesn't get any respect because people think that that's fact. garbage vinegar. White vinegar has its place. Delicious. It's fucking it fantastic. Yep. White vinegar is the secret to our barrel-aged hot sauce that we just pulled. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, white vinegar is great. Um, I got so much sweetness out of the rum and the whiskey from the barrel that... All right, I, I take AC, the sunglasses off. I, <laughs> I think ACV would have been <laughs> too... Uh, it would have been too sweet. Okay, but, our, do you mean surly? Or do you mean... Oh, no, no, no. I, um, I, during COVID, I started barreling rum blends. And then when I pulled those, I did a whiskey blend. And then I pulled that... And we did an 18-day open fermented hot sauce, poured that in, and then aged that for two months. And I just pulled that. Whoa. And it is fucking spectacular. I haven't used it yet, but I, I mean to. She, she hot. I mean, it's, I, I didn't, I didn't fit it it's out. It's like we're brothers because I, like, during COVID, I started hot. fermenting chilies, too. Yeah. I just didn't barrel them. Oh, but like, the it, it, it is truly transformative. You yeah. do pepper mash or did you do? Uh, I mean... What I Anaerobic. do is just throw, I do Thai chilies, garlic, uh, carrot, lemongrass. Nice. Excuse me. But, but no is, garlic, is it, ginger. Ooh. Did you instead submerge of garlic. it? What, what's did that? you submerge it? Yes. You, so okay. I buzz all that up yep. in the food processor mm-hmm. and then uh, submerge that in brine, let it ferment, buzz okay. it up again. I'm the and only person I know the, that does pepper mash. One of the really interesting ingredients that's come out of that process is that brine so you take the solids out of the brine and then when you, i puree it in the vitamix with just enough water uh, that brine to get it to the consistency consistency that i want i save the brine that's left over strain sure, it you got and it. like you have this fermented hot water that is perfect on mm. oysters, on anything. It's just so like in the eyes of someone you don't like. I mean, wait, hold on. In the eyes of someone you don't <laughs> like. Skeet, 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 skeet. <laughs> yep. A bucket. <laughs> that, that was, that was that, one please. of my favorite COVID discoveries. Probably my favorite yeah. COVID mm. discovery was fermenting hot sauce and then reserving the brine and using that for like uh, cocktails. I mean, like uh, to make a spicy cocktail with a fermented hot water. I mean, like, oh my God. So, all right, let me take it a step farther real quick. So, I did the, the reverse, so we, um, we pressed all of the, because we open fermented it with all the solids, and then we pressed that through um, like, a, 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 like a double, basically a double strainer, and then we, that what we barreled was just the liquid. I kept all of the solids, and then okay. that was the basis for, um, I'm, it's my 42nd birthday this weekend, and we're having a huge barbecue up north. And that's what I used as the base for my chicken tinga that I made. So I did that, um, San Marzano tomatoes and uh, Mexican oregano and chipotle peppers with some adobo. And I spun that through a blender. And then that was what we cooked the chicken in. Cut it out. That's bonkers. Yeah. It's so good. Little moves like that. They're not hard, but those little moves are what really make things different. Charles, what's your what's your vinegar? So, everyone that listens to this program knows I have way too many sayings for stuff. 
One of my fucking sayings is use the 18-year balsamic. Always. It's an 18-year balsamic that I buy from Anona Gourmet shop here. It's a specialty uh, vinegar and oil shop in, uh, well, I guess it's in St. Anthony. It's adjacent to Northeast Minneapolis here. But I buy an awful lot of their pretty thick, not like thickened, but thick 18-year balsamic vinegar and i love to splash that on everything this time of year not everything but i I love to splash it on uh roasted vegetables grilled vegetables you know mostly veggies it it performs so well on veggies and and so many other things fruit macerate fruit with that like put that on some vanilla ice cream it's very summery obviously it works any time of year vanilla ice cream fresh watermelon balsamic pinch of salt oh my god get the fuck out of here or just you know macerate some berries like get some blackberries raspberries strawberries uh blueberries some mint (laughs) thunk hi everyone we're in action we died we're recording live baby uh Macerate those berries with some mint and or basil, whatever else you want. Try some tarragon, knock yourself out, mm. throw some thyme in there, and then just let that sit with some like really nice cane sugar, some some brown sugar, something like that, in your fridge for even just one fucking hour. It'll be the best. And then take that, put it over, yes, yeah, spoon it over like a really beautiful vanilla bean ice cream. And then dot it with really good olive oil. Mm-hmm. Dot some really good olive oil. Another sprig of like mint on the top. Come on. Shut That's up. it. Anna, Anna Kim, uh, future guest of the podcast. Anna Kim was the first person to teach me about vanilla ice cream and olive oil. And oh, I man. will never go back. I, I feel like a lot back. of friends of mine have been having epiphanies of late regarding how great that can be. Like oh. having a dessert and then just like dotting like really beautiful silky fatty olive oil especially something that can stand out on its own but that's further compounded by having like a beautiful 18 year balsamic and then some really wonderful olive oil and then a vanilla bean ice cream with like actual like madagascar Mm -hmm. vanilla bean like the little flecks in it and then some fresh seasonal berries come on like i know it's a sweet like it's a dessert but But can, can that feel more like natural It'll hit that. every region of your tongue, too. Yeah. Like, your mouth oh, yeah. will be watering from every yeah. single side. Spending more money on that olive oil than you're comfortable with, too. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like, yeah. like, yeah, like that, three like Get three the good dots, shit. You know, Just like do it. Three dots going, yeah. Use the 18-year balsamic. That's yep. like one. Exactly. Make, I like, you know, don't grab the fucking bottle that your mom right. gave you when you moved the, out. The Trader Joe's bottle. Like, don't, like, God off bless the them, but like, you know, like, right. no. It's, it's something yeah. else. It's not balsamic vinegar. It's something else. It's like black... It's black white distilled vinegar. It's like dyed <laughs> yes. white. Right. You don't want to put that on your ice cream. Like that's weird. It doesn't yeah. taste right. I also there's the other thing I'll say. I got a giant jar on my counter of chive blossoms that I put white oh, distilled dude. vinegar in. Oh. It's been sitting there for like two months. It's bonkers. That stuff. It that, smells absurd. I got angry at you because it was so good. In in uh, chive yeah. blossoms in vinegar. Correct. Whoa! Yeah. Literally okay. just. A ton, like a gallon. It's bright magenta. And every chive blossom from my garden, I'm telling you, we're making martinis with this. Okay. I'm making dirty vodka martinis with it. I also want to, I'm thinking of, I don't want to take it too far because I don't want to fuck it up, but I want to do like, I want to take dried mushrooms and then rehydrate them in that vinegar as well. 
Because a lot of great cocktail bars and restaurants in other states make their own, like, dirty mix. So I want to make, like, a dirty mix of sorts with the chive blossom and maybe some mushrooms to add some umami to it. So I might supplement a portion of it to experiment with that so I don't destroy the whole thing. And then maybe I'll supplement some with some oyster shells. What if you did? What if you did? What What if if you you did? And then throw, like, five bouillon cubes in there. (laughs) <laughs> Bouillon cubes. Wait, why are you the laughing? Obvious Wait, why are you laughing? I'm, I'm, let's do it. I'm in. It's not funny. It's Got to, you know, <laughs> add a little extra flavor. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we should, uh, we should pour up another round. We actually, we actually so made it somewhat on time to our next question. Oh my God. Sorry. Yeah, I've kind of derailed the conversation a few times. Yeah, the one thing... If there's one thing that I know about podcasts is that we shouldn't be openly talking. A podcast is about something different than talking. No, that's what... Shit, that's what we're here for. All right. Huh. Well. What? uh, Which one are we... What are we double dipping on? I I feel like... I want the cucumber. I was going to say the same thing. I I love that we're there. Cucumber. Also, I should tell you, Charles, I did uh, sneak a spoonful of that chive blossom vinegar and I poured it into the... Uh, the Negrodianca that I made. I did an uh, an Akavit white Negroni, and okay. I did a spoonful of that chive blossom vinegar in there, and that was like I'm gonna sit down and curl my toes because really holy shit, it was wow. unbelievable. The depth that that brought it, up. it smells absolutely stupid. Yeah, I can't wait to use it on stuff, and it's the color is. Barely fathomable. It's so magenta. It's the prettiest color that I've ever seen naturally formed in a liquid. All I could think of was like, that's what when when, uh, the people in what is now Essoaria in Morocco, when they first figured out that they could crush seashells to make purple, that has to be like what it felt like. Because that shit is ridiculous. It's like clearly something that would be used to make a natural dye. Yes. It's, it's It's that bright. (laughs) <laughs> I think what we poured out on the, ping, the ping pong table, that one's for the homies, specifically Adam Gorski. <laughs> this is, and this is Adam's table. This is Adam's ping pong table oh because Thank you, Adam. he's so successful that he can just buy a ping pong table and yep. leave it somewhere. Friend of the show. It's a very Gorski move. It's a very Gorski. Much love. Right. Eric, I have a very serious question to ask you. Okay, great. I can't wait. What? There are stereotypical roles in every heist movie. In every heist? In every heist movie. And if you were a part of a crew heist movie, a la The Italian Job, a la Ocean's Eleven, Heat. Heat. Ocean's 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 19. Who are you? Who are you in the heist movie? I feel Which like this role? is. Which role? Are I feel you like this gets deep. Oh man, we can't pick I, the same ones either. No. So if you had a, if, if you had an heat, answer, Heat like, is my favorite heist movie. Uh, oh yeah, it was just like I, I saw that. I think it was, it was I saw that in Dayton, Ohio, and it was the summer after I graduated from college, I believe, and I just it was a Michael Mann movie. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack at the end, when Robert De Niro is is killed, it 
Like, Spoiler it's, alert, it's, it's only it's, 30 years old, dude. Yeah. Jesus. Sorry, sorry, everyone. <laughs> Robert De Niro dies at the end of the movie. Um, I think, wow, the, the, the role that I would be is kind of, is, and I'm, can I just obviously say I'm not comparing myself to Robert De Niro? Um, but that character in Heat, he's kind of the brains, but kind of... Um, the mastermind. That's, that would be the name of the role, I think. Okay. The mastermind. Yep. yep. The, the, okay. the mastermind. I, I you put together the say that about myself, um, but and there's something about his role in that movie. He's, he falls in love with this woman, just like completely pours himself into her, and... Man, that that resonates. That's like that that his role in that movie as just someone that knows exactly what he wants, has a certain set of skills. That's that also that, the greatest. That's, that's, that's me. That's it's also me. the greatest. Check out my home theater movie of all time. Yes, easy. Like every home theater I've ever had. Like audio. That gunfight. Play heat. Play heat. Yep. Like, that yeah. gunfight when they're all just oh shooting. my gosh in, in yep. the street the oh, best geez. lord so oh uh just on a complete side note uh last night i watched um there's a new documentary called val that's uh um, oh, okay it's all it's all so home videos shot by val kilmer mm. and i forgot you know, like, like, time is so relative for, like, how we remember things. Like, I remember Heat as one of the greatest movies I'd ever seen. I saw it in the theater twice. Absolutely. Of which I could probably say there's maybe seven or eight other movies I've ever done that with. Uh, but I forgot Val Kilmer literally walked off the set of Batman Forever directly to the set of Heat. No way. I didn't that know was, that. Yeah, because he was so angry about his experience oh, with how poorly... Wow. Everything went with Forever Batman. He wanted desperately to work with like auteurs, and he loved Michael Mann. And then obviously, like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were heroes. Was right. it the and, Was it the Dolphin and Latex? <laughs> yes. <it is. laughs> what's, what's the guy's name from Twenty Four? Dennis Haysbert. Yes. Um, is that right? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. I just, I just proud of you for that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, that. Oh, but that like, movie. Oh. But thinking about like going through that mind fuck and then like going there and being on a set where literally every single human in every single role is like a master at their craft for sure and like oh shit that, so many people i mean they were just masters there's not a wasted scene like no. if, you, if you it's like a it's like a john mulaney stand-up oh my joke goodness. How there's not, not a wasted word there's not a wasted shot there's not a wasted scene in that entire movie everything that happens has to be on film it's it, it's ridiculous. What what is Val Kilmer's? Who is Val Kilmer's? Was it wife? Yeah. Um, uh, fuck. All right. Uh, you know what? If only we had a device that could allow <laughs> I'm us going, to I'm going this on information. Uh, like always, yeah, like always says that I'm the guy always on my phone <laughs> looking shit up. It was because it was because you did it once <laughs> and you called yourself out for it. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's well, how I, I wrote. Would, yeah. who, what's your what's your character, Charles? You know. I think the best way to go with this is I'd be the safe cracker because I want to have a cigar between my teeth. Ooh, that's fair. And then the goggles on, and I'd be like, because <laughs> I'm like welding out a hole because right. I'm doing a terrible job, oh, so I have to actually weld a hole out. Ashley Judd. <laughs> yes, that was, thank you. Oh, thank okay. 
goodness, just a minor. Because that's well, it, yeah, it's that it's that whole like you have to be able to walk away from actress. everything in thirty seconds, yep. and that's like his moment of humanity is yep. like, yeah, but I love her. Yep. But yeah, so you're the safe cracker. You got safe, is, safe cracker, is it is cigar. it a full size cigar or is it like a cigarillo? Oh, it's got to be a big fucking cigar. <laughs> I got goggles. A Churchill. On. I'm all sweaty, wearing like a fucking military vest, like Roman Reigns. Right, I got the goggles on, and I'm welding the hole out of the, and then I gotta do the deep laugh. Like, <laughs> in my twenties, I probably said the Merc that only uses knives. Yes, that was honestly. So when I thought of that question, I like pictured guys, you like swinging knives. You were Danny Trejo to me. You're okay. Danny Trejo right. in Desperado. Like you're just gonna fucking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, like when shit goes upside down and someone trips one of the 8,000 red lights, then I just run and just start fucking stabbing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, shit's right. gone upside down. <laughs> well, shit's Char- All right, down. well, Charles, just, Charles is loose, so uh, all right, let's, let's try to figure out where we're going. <laughs> Grab the diamond. Grab the diamond. Everyone leave. He's going to kill us, too. <laughs> I don't think you can see. It's really dark in here. <laughs> Why is he still wearing the welding goggles? Yeah, what? <laughs> Take him off. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, 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 I would have to be the decoy. I would have to be the Danny Ocean of it. I have mm. to be the one who would hold court long enough because I am way too big to be, like, blend in. Uh, I don't sneak around anything. I'm not gentle or delicate. So, like, I can't have the touch to crack the safe. Uh, I can't be the getaway driver because all fast cars no. don't fit me. I see the wheel man, but it would yeah, have to I can't. be a... Yeah, I can Like, okay. literally, uh, like... What's the Mark Wahlberg movie with the minis? What was that one? Italian Job. <laughs> Italian Job. Thank yep. you. Yep. Weirdly enough, the mini is one of the very few... Uh, fast cars that I actually fit in quite comfortably. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Uh, but I have uh, Jaguars, uh, Ferraris, and Lamborghinis. I literally cannot, unless I'm so far back that my arms are straight. It's kind of amazing that you know that. It's, well, I've, I've yeah, been I trying. I cannot fit in a Lamborghini. That's why I don't own one. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, oh for, yeah. So You've you tried. So that, makes, that makes two of you. you right? well, <laughs> I've you never do. sat in a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Well, no, if you only gotta, I could fit in a Lamborghini, I would have a Testarossa. Now, I, I will straight up say that a Ferrari Testarossa is the yeah, most emasculating vehicle I've ever been in because we took... <laughs> We took the Cloverleaf from 169 to 394 at 94 miles an hour, and the tires didn't even squeak. Oh, goodness. And then coming out of it, we squeaked the tires again, getting back up to 140. Uh, I have never felt m- like more like a little kid on a roller coaster Holy. in my life. Yeah, I, I was like, like no control. I was yeah. basically in the fetal position, giggling at the top of my lungs because that was amazing. But okay, I had to be so the, doing that as a getaway driver would be questionable. But, but I had to, well, no, but I had to be in the passenger seat because I couldn't fit. Like with uh, the pedals oh, and yeah, then shifting, yeah, right. like it, I literally can't, I can't pull my knee up fast enough. Sure. You're, with, you're driving a big wheel. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you'd be. So I have to be the guy that creates the diversion. I'll do the big loud show who gives like the completely uh, random speech. That's uh, the red herring the whole time where the, the villain thinks that they have me and then I'll just keep talking until all of you guys have completed everything. And then so you're I'll George Clooney, you're saying. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just, I'm joking. Yes, I'm joking. Because yes, you're wow. that handsome. I mean, God. Listen, I'm more afraid than Clooney's. Too many Clooney's, guys. Too many Clooney's. Too many Clooney's. Hashtag too many Clooney's. All too many Clooney's, not enough Jets. 
I'm I'm the Caesar haircut, <laughs> Clooney. Like the least attractive okay. of the wow. Clooney's. <laughs> there is no such thing as, as there is no such thing many. as the least attractive Clooney. Clooney. Like, I'm telling you, gracious. too many Clooney's may be the the title <laughs> <laughs> or the T-shirt. It's in the running. We have it's an ever-growing list of shirt names. Too many Clooney's or dolphin and latex, but that's very Oof. confusing. They're fun. Um, all right. All right. Well, we have the, the final question. We got a crew. Let's fucking rob a bank or something. Let's, let's do it. Let's we'll, just pull we'll the plug, dude. We're going. Take let's... down a casino that has been mm-hmm. taking down other people for 20 years. Mm-hmm. We're going to right the ship and Robin Hood this stuff. And by Robin Hooding, I mean we're going to like do it for the, the little man, but not actually give any money away. We're just going to keep it all. Because that's how all that shit always works. Hey. <laughs> We'll figure it out after the fact. You know, we, have, get, we have one might, more question. Get, we do have one more question. And, and what will we talk about in the second on, half of but the I, I do want to ask, <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we tap back into the, the oyster Negroni? No, that's off limits. Damn it. No, <laughs> of course. Well, that's, why, that's why we're here. Bottle. I mean, we can, like, we can be here <laughs> until am, that's gone. I am throwing away this ping pong table right now. Sorry, <laughs> Gorski. Also, that, Dude, that is like that a digestive. as deep as you want. After this meal we just had of conversation and drinks... That is, it's a digest. It tastes to me like yeah. something you want after dinner. I would love. For sure. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little sip of that right after dinner. Mamma mia. Thank Question you. number six. Number six. <laughs> no, I'm not cracking a safe right now. But name your favorite cocktail bar in another state or country. It's a good reason for asking this. You were just in fucking Los Angeles at terrible, terrible cocktail bar twice. I believe. So, wow. Okay, that's a outstanding question. Can I get? Can I ask the judge a question on before I answer? Can I? Can, can I phone can, a friend? Can I phone a friend? Um, Most certainly. Cocktail bar. Yeah. Does it mean a bar that I got a cocktail at, or does it mean it's like needs to be a hyper focused, refined nope. cocktail bar? Whatever, you whatever want I want. To be. Okay, great. The, the way, then on I, this then show, I'm, then I'm gonna. You know, like to you say, know the answer to this question. I do. I think. Yeah. But on the show, we like to say you can answer a question on any given day in a different way. Sure. Which is, you know, like whatever you think of now. Like fuck. And also, yeah, make it your own. Who cares? It could be fucking. This is. I'm gonna give you the short version of this. Mancini's. Just, just well, <laughs> yeah. But that you said another country, right? Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like all oh, Mancini's with yeah, the ice right, shards right. and your you, martini. You said another country, so I yes. would probably or say state, Mancini's. Or state, or state. What's that? Or state, just out of Minnesota. Another state or country. Okay. I'm going to answer that like this. Um, okay. Easily one of the most transformative cocktail experiences I've had was in Puerto Rico, which I think you might have just been in. Can we cheers to that? We should Let's, cheers to we that. We should cheers to that. To Puerto Rico. secret mojito. To, to Puerto Rico. Everyone. <laughs> to Puerto Rico. Shout out to John Whiffley and Laurel um, Whiffley t- for having their wedding there, for giving us the opportunity to join them there. Um, right before, like literally right before COVID. Um, we went down there, uh, crew of us to for that wedding and um, I think it was the day or day or two after the wedding we went to the eastern side of the island and mm. had a great dinner at a restaurant that John knew the chef at I, I believe and then we kind of were matriculating back to the resort that we were staying at 
and on the way we stopped at we got in, we Matt Lean like saved us because we couldn't Paul and I Paul Budenhoff uh, both ops one on Instagram um, I believe everyone probably he needs knows more followers him. thank you for he does that. Um, we were we we were trying to get an Uber back from this restaurant and there just were none mm. and so Matt was there and graciously offered us a ride in the jeep that he had rented um with with i mean he had his wife and two daughters and so there's a question of will there be room for us and and gratefully there was i i sat in the front seat the kids and matt's wife sat in the back seat and then paul sat in the trunk (laughs) like literally (laughs) and 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 matt said you have to stop at this bar on the way back because it's kind of on the way and it's just it's basically (laughs) a strip mall that's just off the highway kind of doesn't look like anything and 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 it's loud it's it's probably 11 p.m and we matt drops us off and so paul and i pull up to this bar and there's it's just i mean picture picture there's this there's a strip mall on 394 and just <laughs> west of 169 yeah. and it is that <laughs> the dick sporting goods Cur- blvd well, michaels no no, no, no 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 not that one yeah Ooh. i know that one but it's 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 just it, it well, it's the, more forgettable in a broader it's, picture it's, it's just more like forgettable us, than that mall, right okay freeway, it, 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 right. it needs to be like yeah. massively forgettable so we go we we, we, we sidle up to this bar and we're standing outside at at the kind of standing seating at this bar. And there's a picture of Roberto Clemente above the bar. And there is a woman that is making a cocktail over and 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 over. In a, a kind of a footprint on her bar that is probably as big as a football. I'm, my hands are kind of making a shape of a football. Like, that's how big her workspace was. And, <laughs> you know, we stood there for a certain amount of time, uh, 15, 20, 30 minutes, and she eventually came over to us and asked us what we have, and we said, whatever it is that you've been making. Because she literally yeah. had been doing nothing but that, right? And it was clearly yeah, a mojito. Like, oh, great. It yeah. was clearly a mojito. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, there's a basically a jar of sugar. She she had like a stash of rum and there was there were limes. And so we'll just have we'll just have two of those. And she made it was in a plastic cup and there was a, a shaker tin on one side and a plastic cup on the other. She put all the ingredients into the tin. She put the plastic cup on the top of the tin. She gave it a one two shake. And then she decanted it into the plastic cup and gave it to us. And that is perhaps the best cocktail I've ever had. It's, it, it, it was a mojito, and I've tried to recreate. I mean, we stood there for, we stood there for, it's a lie, man. for four, four of those. It's the four lime. of those. It's which, the lime. Which we didn't need. They got totally different. Right? There's and no lime. We, we stood there, it, absolutely. And we, we stood there for four of those drinks. And I took notes on what she was doing. And I'm telling you, I cannot recreate that. That nope, is not, totally. not You're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. It is literally one of the most singular taste experiences that I've ever had. And I love it that it's just there. It was at this one experience with my friend John's wedding, my friend Paul, who I had it with. 
And that's just where, like, I tried to recreate it when we got back. I tried really hard for about a week. And then I was like, nope, that's just going to live there. That's yeah, just and you can there. go back to have it. Absolutely. Right. It's like the Pisco Sours in Santiago. Yeah. They use the same weird limes that are between a key lime and a real lime. If you're a listener, tell me, tell me what it's called. I, I think the reason that we don't import them to the United States is because they seem too much like those limes. And the cost is probably too high. But it's, it, it's the sweetness of the key lime mm-hmm. and then the sourness and tartness of the like traditional lime that we get here in the U.S. They have these funny little limes. They're like a medium-sized lime. They have them in Chile, and they use them to make their pisco sours, and it's absolutely transformative. They're totally different. A pisco sour you have in Santiago is nothing like a pisco sour you have here. That's probably is, the same thing for ceviche. The ceviche is totally different, too, because they use the same fucking lime. That is the difference. What you just said right there, that's yeah. the difference between the squeezy garlic and the actual like putting garlic into something. It's that's what we're missing is that right. one expression. Like uh, in in Puerto Rico, when my wife and I were there, we went to the spot where like the, they invented pina coladas. I hate pina coladas. I think it's probably the worst like tiki esque drink that I've ever had. Okay, but I drank the fuck out of that one and then went back and got another one. Yeah, because it's mostly real fresh pineapple with a little bit of coconut milk. So we get the ratios wrong anyway, but even if we got the ratios right in the U.S., you're still fucked because you don't have access to pineapples that taste like that. Sure. Yep. Understood. Like, there's yeah. nothing that we can do. Figs are another big one for me. Is It's like, I, I mean, I've had figs in France, and, like, they've just God. blown my face off. Yeah. And I've had yeah. figs in Minnesota, and it's like, why? What? This is not a thing. Yeah, you're talking to a Lebanese boy. Yeah. No, no, no. Hurt. And Lebanon, hurt. you're just like, hurt. you're going on a walk, and you're just like, boop. Yank one and yep. Yep. bite into it. Yeah, it's stupidity. It's, oh, yep. yeah. I, that's one of the things. Uh, of many produce things in Lebanon that I crave, figs, Fig. uh, Proper fresh fig. hummus, you know, like the chickpeas, like fresh chickpeas. People here don't even know what a fresh chickpea is or fresh I, almonds. I've never had a Fuzzy fresh chickpea. Fuzzy green almonds, uh, fava beans, all that stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's totally different. <laughs> Uh, what what is it? cocktail bar? Cocktail uh, bar. All right, I, I cocktail I, bar. And this is again, it would be a different answer on any given day. No, guaranteed. I wanna, I wanna, I, I gotta shout out future guest of the podcast, Old Strambaken oh, at okay. Imco in Oslo. Uh, I've talked about this bar multiple times in this podcast. Yes, uh, it is in the place that I used to go to raves when I lived in Norway. So there's a really weird connection when I walk in there that where the bar is was the chill out orange juice room oh. like in 1999. <laughs> now it's in the top 20 best bars in the world consistently year to year. But what I love is their cocktail menu. There's no, there's no fun names for the cocktails, anything. It's what is the dominant flavor? And you'll go through okay. and sometimes the dominant flavor is mezcal. Some of the, sometimes the dominant flavor is pine. Uh, and the one that will always fuck me up that I have done my best to reverse engineer ah. is, is I, I flipped a page over and it just said birch. Okay. And it you was, have brought this up. I have. And okay. this is why I will again say mm. this. If you're in Oslo, there's no sign outside. You have to look for a very small like 
about 10 inch by 10 inch sign that's just the symbol for the bar. <laughs> and then you have to walk through a creepy ass hallway and you end up in, in this building that's 400 years old. And the two levels are wow. an Akavit distillery and a cocktail bar. And then the rest of it is like, I mean, three or four of the floors are completely like demolished and still just stand there empty. The Birch Cocktail was featuring the flavors of an entire birch tree. So it's old Tom Gin steeped with birch syrup to add to the like sweetness for it, right? It's a martini. And then sure. the vermouth is aged with birch leaves. And then they strain all that out. Whoa. They shake a martini out. And then the garnish is a piece of yaitust, which is um, a very sweet, very caramel-esque uh, goat cheese. Cheese, yeah. Yep. That's on a skewer, and that sits in the martini. And I have never, I've never been happier and at the same time more angry about sitting with a cocktail trying to figure out what the fuck is going, going on. Going on in there. Because they don't list the ingredients. It's you're ordering the flavor. So it's Whoa. pine, it's birch, it's mezcal, caramel, it's lemon, it's caramel. Like you go through the whole and you just pick what flavor you're looking for and then they'll make the cocktail for you. Wow. That drink fucked me up so much that I ordered a second one. And like we had, there were four of us that were there and two of us, uh, Paul Hennessy, who you yeah, may know. Yeah, Absolutely. So Paul Hennessy and I both got one. And our wives were with us. It was amazing. And we were so confused by that cocktail that we got up and moved to another table so that we could sit across from each other and try and reverse engineer this cocktail. And I was so far away from actually being able to figure it out. And then Odd came around and he like rifled off exactly how he made it. And that was it. That bar took me into an entirely different world. And now like... I mean, he sent me home with a bottle of Mescovite, which was their, their version of Mezcal that they made at their own distillery mixed with Akavit together. And I, like to this day, I mean, literally, he's going to be on the show in the next couple months. Perfect. It's going to be a wow. fucking blast. Yeah. But that dude, he just showed me that even when you think that you're in the room where, oh, now we can all like make cool shit, there's still other little doors that can be opened and be like, oh, dude. And I, I just sat there, like, marveling at all of that. And then we were like, well, let's go back through this menu. Like, what else don't we understand? The pine cocktail. Holy fuck. There were spruce tips in three of the four ingredients in that. And they found a way to make it all work where it still wasn't heavy-handed. And that, to me, is... I don't, I don't care what else you're up to. If you're in Scandinavia, make the time and go to Imco. That cocktail bar changed how I saw ingredients and changed how I make things where instead of trying to figure out <sighs> how to so list all good. that shit out, I want to look for a specific flavor and I'll put up whatever I want into it to get to that flavor. And then that's, that's how I'll look at it. It like, it changed the math. It, like instead of the equation that always goes from left to right, it was like, Oh, go from right. To oh, left I go right. For, yeah. 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 And, and that I'll, I'll never not love that. And I will never not sing the praises. Those, those points of inspiration are irreplaceable. Oh, it's the best. Like you, you can't, you can't on like, like that makes you, you. 
And it's also the same as like when you hear a really good song or you read an incredible turn of phrase in a book. Like, I'll never forget that. That's how I found my favorite authors. That's how I found my favorite songwriters. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like when somebody, when somebody uses their creativity to write something, whatever it may be, whether it's a recipe, a song, a book, whatever, when they use their creativity to do that, that makes them an artist. And I love being a fan of that art. Right. I will forever be in awe of that because yeah. that's something that moved me. And maybe it doesn't for you, but fuck. I, that one shook matter. me. And there you it go. moves you, that's yeah. what matters. Uh, Charles, what about you? Yeah, this one's complex because there's so many ways to go given that everywhere I go, I seek out good food and drink, recent years, cocktails. It's like paramount among the things that I'm looking for when I'm out and about. My answer is going to be Gibbs and Madison. Just because no it's, shit. It's a it's, place is bomb. Yeah, it's a house basically. It's like a the coolest house party. Mm-hmm. It's inviting to everybody, le- legitimately. Places like to say that, but it's not always true. That was going to be my answer. I think my answer actually is going to be Estereo. For Estereo in Chicago, mm-hmm. for for an interesting reason, it's because they highlight spirits. And do very simple things with them, but they do them so expertly. So they'll take mezcal and use like cherry juice and soda and then probably a couple secret ingredients and that's it. And then the drink flies across the bar and you have it and you're ready to party. And the space is also like so comforting. They're on the cor- they're on this like really like um, sharp angled corner in Logan in Chicago where there are uh, huge shutter doors on each side and they're always totally open and the sun just pouring in the crowd sometimes is you know a lot like very young skewing that's okay too Uh, I have a lot of affinity for that place because we went there both for the last stop on my brother's bachelor party and the last stop on my bachelor party (laughs) but they they feature uh, a lot of spirits um, that maybe you wouldn't otherwise know and feature them simply and the drinks are like really refreshing and bright and fun and they're perfect it's it's almost like a ode to being less fussy about accomplishing what you need to to showcase a spirit mm-hmm. because a lot of what you see now is being like overly fussy and sometimes like burying the quality of a spirit Something that comes to mind immediately because we were just at Sam A's wedding yep. was that he and I, side by side, um, along with Eric Seed, I believe, were mm-hmm. the judges of uh, Iron Bartender. This is a while. This is like five, six years ago now. That's when I met Ben Quam. 2015. 2015, six years ago. Okay. Quam was emceeing. I was judging alongside Sam A. And uh, we had, um, oh my God, I can't. This is the one moment I can't think of the name. Anyways, it's like a super bitter Italian Oh, spirit. yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yep. All right. Oh, I can always remember the name. People are like, how can you remember that name? Anyways, it's like a super bitter spirit. And the, the cocktail that was made for us, they buried it. They buried it so that you couldn't taste any bitterness. And both Sam A and myself uh, got after the participants because we were like, you got two Middle Eastern guys on the, the judging panel we like bitter stuff. You should have allowed us to taste it. 
that's sort of a, a way for me to say that like I I do enjoy when the spirit can can shine, can and that way like sure. you know of course a bourbon a bourbon cocktail you're gonna taste bourbon, but it feels like at times cocktails that use really high quality spirits from other parts of of the world, um, like a you know. You make a cocktail with mezcal and then you bury it because you... I, I don't like when mezcal cocktails are frequently blended with other spirits to hide the mezcal. I'm like, why was it present? I don't taste any mezcal. So a place like Asterio, they feature the cocktail. Uh, they feature the spirit in this cocktail so that you can you can taste it. It's there. It's present. It's very simply displayed. It has like a singular fruit and another additive. And you know what it is that you're drinking. And I have a great appreciation for that. It's just like the lager of cocktails. It's like simplicity. And it's just a fun place to hang out. <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's also like, we got to choose where we want to kick it. Yeah. You can make a great cocktail. That's but important if, the, too. if the scene and the vibe sucks, like, you know, I'll finish that and I'll get on my way. <laughs> well, shit. That's a, that's a solid run we just had. How about yeah, that? Yeah. I feel like uh, we got to give props to to Mr. Eric Eastman for coming with some questions of his own. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm curious. So, like, I just I, I love talking to people that care about similar things that I care about, and you both do. So, this has been literally perfect. I, yeah. I, I, I've, I don't remember the last conversation I've I've had that's been better than this. This is great. The uh, I wanted to tell you this, and I, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but like I've I've been elliptically in your orbit for a while, but we haven't really talked until for sure. the last few years, right? Yep. And uh, when you were describing kind of the reason that you wanted to get into to uh, like crafting ice as a way of like we should always put like the best stuff forward, like do you know that that's kind of always been your through line for everything that you've been associated with? Because, like, even going back to when you were doing cocktail menus and shit, it was almost like I could pick out where your hands had been because oh. you could tell that it was, it was about, like, creating a vibe for people to get into. And I, again, going back to when we were talking about the dude should be able to say, hey, I love you and I, I dig what you do. Uh, I, I just kind of felt this whole time that I would have been remiss that before I had ever even said hello to you or knew who you were as a human... Um, it was really fun watching the way that you were influencing menus and you were influencing cocktail culture because all of those influences were for the best of what we were doing. And I don't know, especially in that era, there was some really problematic, I'm, I'm referring to like 2006 through like 2008 or nine, sort of our first run through that like first wave of cocktail culture here. We had a lot of problematic shit going on and, uh, it created some toxicity and it created some bars that never made it and it is what it is. But, um, I just wanted to say like to you, thank you for being a part of like what was good about that movement and looking back on it now at 2021, after sitting with you for almost three hours, it's so evident that all of the values that you were pushing back then are still the same things that have made you wildly successful now. Uh, and so just, there's a lot of us out there that feel that way, and I just wanted to say thank you for all the work that you've put in. That's really meaningful to hear. Cool. I, I appreciate you vocalizing that, and I, I love you. Love you, too. And I, and Cheers, I thank man. you for saying that. Yeah. And I, I appreciate being here with both of you. Love you, too, Charles. Love you, too, buddy. Mm -hmm. Elisir Novasalis. 
There it is. I was like, I, could, I came up with Nova Salas and I couldn't come up with I, the beginning of it. And I was spelling so it massively. Oil saccharum got in my way in my brain. <laughs> I'm like a fucking. Hurt. Uh, uh, God damn it. If, if people want to know more about either your ICE program or like what you're up to, mm-hmm. where would they go on the interwebs? You, if, you, sure, if you would uh, like to be found. Yeah. yeah. We can go to, on Instagram, you can go to Easy and Company. Uh, it's my personal Instagram. You can also go to, uh, I believe it's MN Pure Clear Ice mm-hmm. on Instagram. Uh, if you Google Minnesota Ice, uh, you'll find us. And uh, gosh, just <laughs> couldn't have had a better conversation with you guys. That's, yeah, no, this is awesome. Just, I, this I said is, on Instagram. This is the good stuff. This this is illuminating, and the conversation is equally illuminating. When I took a photo of the fucking Coors Banquet on the table while I was getting blinded by the sun, it's very. Thank true. you for creating the space to have this conversation too. That's this. That's I mean, that's our a pleasure. huge thing. The yeah. pleasure is all ours. Like truly, so truly has been all yep. of ours. This is, yeah, we we love doing this. This mm-hmm. is this got and us, you're, and you're good at it. So yeah, you should keep doing it. This got us through a dark time, and <laughs> yeah. hopefully, it'll get us through some bright times as well. Damn right. And uh, again, if you've never if you've never gone out and bought like some really good, perfect, clear craft ice, go do it. Take your give yourself that treat. I think that giving ourselves permission for um, some fun things in life is a very important thing. And we get you know we we get so stuck in our own heads about like oh I don't, is that where I want to spend sometimes treat yourself motherfucker. treat yourself and and it's like it's ice it's ten bucks it's, it's a nice bag expensive. of ice is ten bucks yeah, it's not like you have to invest in four hundred dollars yeah. in a nice you know shirt or something it's, it's like fucking you know, dense it's, I use those cube I make like three cocktails with one yep, cube that's it it's very dense there is <laughs> there is something there is a true joy that I get. Like I have, so I have my normal ice trays and then I have my big cubes and then I have my super special like spheres with a slow, like two day, like cool. All of that aside, there's nothing that makes me feel like I'm going to celebrate this. Then going down to our, our drop in like chest freezer and just breaking off a block of perfectly clear, like filter, like because it does. It does a service to all of the other things that you put in that glass, and Absolutely. to me, at the end of the day, that's the best thing. Is I, I pull out a special glass, I put a cube in there that I am thoughtful about. I make a drink that I want, and it adds to that level of like I'm doing this for me, and that's it's intentional. That's worth it. Yeah, yep. everything, every single element of this is intentional, and that feels good. Giving Absolutely. yourself the permission to do that is fucking worth it. Uh, Charles, if people are going to look for you somewhere, where do they find you? I mean, you shouldn't, but it came from the sea on Instagram, I suppose. And if you really love pictures of dogs and food and really weird lefty politics, uh, holler at me. Just Google communist and you'll eventually find me. Uh, We love you very much. Take care of yourselves. Buy some good-ass ice and make yourself a good-ass drink. Do it. We love you.